Hello, hello, and welcome back to another installation of Latest in the Law. Um, welcome to Legal Bites. My, if you're new here, my name is Alita. I'm a lawyer, and on this channel, we explain the law one bite at a time. Um, before I get moving, we also have one more guy joining us today. Hello, hello. Oh, and in a suit, no less. Joe, you did not need to dress up for this. I figured, look, you guys, I, one of us needs to look like a lawyer. <laughs> So that That's way people, when they That's come true. in here, they recognize that this is a serious show. There's no, there's no uh, cavorting. There's no cahoots. There's no, no, that's, there's just, there's no shenanigans. This is a serious, serious legal show. But the You're question is, is, is that suit, is that suit like other YouTube lawyers? Is that suit Indochino? Because I've heard that that's like the only one that you can wear no, on YouTube law. No, 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 no. It's a, it's a good suit. Thank you. Thank you very, very much. Actually, this morning I was um I had um my grandson's bris, which is you oh. in layman's term is circumcision. Yeah. So that mm -hmm. was yeah. So we do that on the eighth day. And yeah, which means right. really the ends same up day that out. God made sweet tea. Yes, yes, obviously. <laughs> yeah, that's what that's why. That's why. So yeah, eighth day ends it's, up being it's funny. My, my... one week anniversary of his birth. So Nice. My, Congratulations. My works, my, That's wonderful. My wife, my wife is a pediatrician and they're forcing her to do, um, and that's what she has to do. Like they have um, doctors specifically that do circumcisions. So, I'm, mm -hmm. so when she comes home, I always tell her, I'm like, damn, you've looked at more penises than I'll ever see in, in my life. Right? <laughs> that's what you're doing. Right? <laughs> nice. Nice. Oh man. So, uh, so we have, we have a lot to talk about today. There's, there's, I, I, I feel like I say this almost every week, but there's just so much law to talk about. There's so many interesting stories right now, um, from, from the, the, you know, the dark side of the, you know, British royalty to some more topical stuff like As LAPD cops trying to, trying to catch them all. Right. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so, uh, so uh yeah, so uh fun, fun time. So let's let's jump, let's jump into this stuff, right? Um let's start with uh let's start with Prince Andrew. So so he has a he has a uh a lawsuit that was filed by one of his accusers, uh, Virginia mm -hmm. Jeffrey, right? And this was stuff that had happened allegedly a very long time ago, but she filed a lawsuit against him um after she already had a a settlement agreement with uh with Epstein. Jeffrey Epstein from 2009, let's say. So mm -hmm. I think it was over the summer that she filed this, this lawsuit against Prince Andrew. And he mm -hmm. responded with a motion to dismiss, basically arguing you signed the settlement settlement agreement with Mr. Epstein. And that has a, an oblique reference to third parties being released. I'm a third party that should fall. You know, I should fall under that umbrella. So therefore this should be dismissed. Well, the judge just came back yesterday and said, Nope, not going to dismiss it. At least not at this stage, anyway. So, um, well, what's the interesting. judge's reasoning? Is the more interesting aspect. The reasoning right was here. that, yeah, yeah. Do you want to? Oh, do you want to? Do you want to share your screen? Because I also have. Oh, I can. Up, all right, but... Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Good. Yeah, I, I'm just. I'm reading a report from um, NBC. But if you guys want to. Okay, see sure, it, sure. Um, yeah. Let me uh, share. I asked okay. because I thought uh, I thought uh, the prince's argument sounded pretty good, so I'm curious in the judge's reasoning to see if it's it was yeah. persuasive. It, I, yeah, it Maybe was because the I, text. when I read when I read. Go ahead, go ahead, Nate. 
Oh, no, I, I was just saying, because I, I, I read through the agreement between her and Epstein, and that agreement really made it clear that anybody kind of associated, like she was paid, she was getting $500,000 to absolve Epstein and anybody kind of associated with that Epstein crowd from liability. And, and yeah. it was very clear that all these other people saw, you know, unless the judge just say that it was just too ambiguous or something, which I think that's, that's what we're going into, but it, that was, it, was, was... it seemed very clear that, that she was gone. That that was uh, that was that that pulled a lot of weight in this uh, in this opinion. Um, it was the the ambiguity of the 2009 agreement. Um, and part of it, uh, well, so so there's that, and then there's also Florida law saying that in order for a third party in any case to be uh, uh, to to be to be able to enforce a settlement agreement, they have to have knowledge of that settlement agreement. They have to, you know, um, have, there's like, there's several, there's several uh, uh, restrictions, but one of them is having knowledge of it. Really? And where you have, mm -hmm. where you mm -hmm. have a settlement agreement that has a confidentiality clause saying no one can use this, uh, no one can read this, no one can use this uh, other than the two parties here involved. Um, mm -hmm. You have a situation where you cannot say that somebody else knew of that settlement agreement in order to be able to enforce it. Um, because so you have to whether break the or not settlement he... agreement to use a settlement agreement. Exactly. Nice. Exactly. Well. So, uh, so <laughs> quite sure although, quite although uh, one of the, one of the big things that, that the court said was that this is, uh, this is, this is a situation where the settlement agreement was really not very well drafted. It's very unclearly drafted, particularly having having to do with these these sections that we're talking about here. And and I can understand that that sometimes when you're drafting a settlement agreement, you know, if you're if you're a litigator and you're drafting a settlement agreement, you don't necessarily I don't know. Sometimes you just you're just trying to get the deal done. <laughs> and uh, and and you don't necessarily think about these other particular issues like, oh, what if she were to come back and sue Prince Andrew and these other guys? You know that that maybe not necessarily at the forefront of your mind when you're when you're just trying to get this thing hammered out, and especially if if it's particularly contentious negotiation between the parties. Um, but uh, but it, yeah, it, it's I I do agree with the court that there are some parts here that are that are pretty pretty ambiguous. And basically, she said that uh, she or he I can't remember um, if the judge was male or female. Um, anyway, the judge said that the. Um, uh, that that where where a settlement agreement is is ambiguous, you the 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 court cannot determine the the disambiguity of that, like where where that where the line is between the two arguments. Mm -hmm. That ultimately comes down to a trier effect. So therefore, that is not an appropriate uh, uh, appropriate argument for a motion to dismiss. And this basically is a, a base. This is a, a pretty basic contract principle that we look at the four corners of the document in fact the term four four corners is frequently used by the court mm -hmm. and in, and in legal arguments presented by whichever side the, the it'll favor to basically say we need to look at the actual text and you can't read more than the text of the actual contract and if the contract is not explicit in that case it does come down to a trier fact to determine how the ambiguity should be determined and that's not that's beyond the purview of the judge I mean, when we say the court, we mean the judge. The judge doesn't have the jurisdiction to make that determination unless they're sitting as a, sometimes a judge will sit as a trier of fact, meaning they play both roles of, of trying to decide both fact and law. But frequently, when you have, when, whenever you have a jury trial, the jury is supposed to interpret fact and the judge is supposed to interpret law. You can only interpret law if certain facts 
are undisputed. But when you have terms in a contract that are ambiguous, unclear, can be read different ways, all this, that that takes it out of being something that becomes a matter of law. All of a sudden, you start falling into questions of fact, and that makes something you cannot decide as a, on a basis of summary judgment. You need a trier of fact, i.e. the jury, to weigh in and give their determination, and only then can you apply the law based on their finding of fact. So that's essentially what I how, how I understand this, that, yeah. that they're saying... That it's beyond the ambiguity, as you said, Alita, the, the lack of clarity now takes it out of the judge's hands and makes us, it creates a need to have a trier fact, i.e. the jury, step in and make and reach a decision of their own. Right. That's right. And and this is this is in the I'm I'm looking at the opinion right here and I'll I'll read one paragraph from it where where the judge says exactly that. It says, um, the basic principles of Florida law that govern this aspect of the party's dispute are clear. Unless contract language is is unambiguous and free of conflicting inferences, ambiguity must be resolved as a question of fact. In other words, unless the terms of an agreement leave no reasonable doubt about the intent of the contracting parties, the ambiguity must be resolved by the trier of fact, ordinarily a trial jury. The court may not resolve any such ambiguity on a motion to dismiss the complaint. So here, and the particular ambiguity that the court is talking about is this, this portion of whether or not this uh, uh, there's, there's a, a particular provision in the settlement agreement uh, that says that that uh, that this agreement also releases certain third parties, um, specifically. Any other person uh, or Eddie who could have been included as a potential defendant? Yes. From all well, or any manner yeah. of claims? I mean, that seems pretty broad I, to me. I, I, I'm not sold on this rationale from this court I, I, because, yeah. you know, uh, maybe it's because patent law, I deal with this issue all the time about breadth versus ambiguity. Just because a term is broad doesn't mean it's ambiguous. Well, but let's yeah, get it, it, the, it, some detail. Oh, go ahead, Nate. No, I, I, I'm just I just pulled up the the settlement agreement, and it's this this difference between ambiguous and overly broad. So if the judge said this was overly broad, I would buy that. But being ambiguous, like it says, you know, that she can't essentially it says it that from the beginning of time till the signing of the document, she can't really bring any claims against, and you know, both Epstein and anybody related, or any other potential defendants um, from this. So, you know, big, I don't think it's ambiguous. I do think it's very broad, but I, I, I just don't buy the judge's argument that this is just so ambiguous when, you, when it doesn't, when you can't figure, you know, because essentially he's saying that this is only between her and Epstein. No one else can now use this document to, you know, he's, 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 reasoned out all the provisions that for third parties within the settlement agreement. By the way, that term, that terminology from the beginning of time until the present day is the most common terms used in settlement agreements. Yeah. They almost always course, say yeah, yeah. that. I've read, that I've time. <laughs> so, yeah, in, all, in all realities, in all universes, in all... They don't write... I haven't seen that, but yeah. <laughs> I have seen it once or twice. In all <laughs> universes... So, <laughs> So here's so here's where the here's where the opinion kind of goes into detail about why they think that it's it's ambiguous. They say so we come to the question of what was meant by the phrase could have been included as a defendant. At one level of course literally anyone could have been included as a defendant. If the plaintiff had wished to include someone else, anyone else as a defendant, she easily could have done so. Someone can be included as a defendant in a lawsuit simply by including that person's name in the caption of a complaint. Nothing else is required. But neither party takes that position, despite the fact it could be consistent with the literal terms of the 2009 agreement. Rather, defendant argues that he could have been included as a potential defendant in the Florida case because Ms. Jeffrey was a general 
made a general reference to royalty in her Florida complaint, even though it did not name Prince Andrew as a defendant, nor even mention his name. Plaintiff rejoins that Prince Andrew could not have been included as a defendant in the Florida case because, one, he was not subject to personal jurisdiction there, and in any case, two, the claims that plaintiff brought against Epstein in the Florida case were based solely on 18 U.S. Code Section 2255, which created a federal mm. civil cause of action in favor of anyone who, while a minor, was injured in consequence of a violation of any of, se of several federal criminal statutes. As to the latter, she contends that Prince Andrew could not have been sued in the Florida case under any of the Section 2255 predicate statutes because there was no basis for doing so. The parties' respective positions show that they agree that the release language, i.e. the phrase, could have been included as a defendant, applies only if there is a nexus between the person in question and the claim Miss Jeffrey made against Epstein in the Florida case. They disagree, however, as to the nature of the requisite nexus. So reading that, I agree with the judge because technically yeah. he could not have been a defendant in that case. And that settlement covered all other potential defendants. So, yeah. So, so yeah. So if that's because the she then would, he's she would be there. required to, to have, to have an additional claim against him specifically. And then there would be a question of whether or not uh, Epstein's lawsuit should be properly joined with Prince Andrew's lawsuit. Right. If, if the two have, have two different causes of action, um, or two two different uh yeah two different claims against one another you know same fact pattern mm -hmm. but two different claims two different um statutes under which they're being sued there would have been a legitimate question there as to whether or not those were properly joined together into one lawsuit the court may have actually tried to split those into two separate lawsuits so yeah that makes so yeah sense. i mean it, it makes considering, sense i think that the yeah. reasoning the reasoning but i think ahead. is solid and and in, in terms of in terms of the way the judge is seeing it, so the judge is making two arguments. Number one, this is a settlement agreement where no one can mention it or use it anyway. It says that in the settlement agreement. So the fact that you're trying to now use it in another case is contrary to the actual settlement agreement. So it's like, you know, because you can't use it and now you're using it, that's one piece. But the second piece about this other possible defendant, and it wasn't possible for him to be a defendant, I think it's a stronger case to be made. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I think so as well. It seems as if she's reading, or the judge is reading this um, settlement agreement as if, in theory, it would protect Elaine Maxwell from a civil suit because, like, there you have the whole criminal element behind it, as opposed to that, that, that's, that's. I think that the predicate criminal statute would probably apply to Elaine in a way that it wouldn't apply to Prince Andrew. So, yeah. therefore. The other defendants, so she would have been someone who could have been named defendant under the same exact causes of action, as opposed to Prince Andrew, who um, potentially would not have fallen in the same criminal statutes. So, mm. like in other words, if she's aiding and abetting in that, as opposed to, as opposed to, in other words, there's a difference between getting the girl to do something versus actually doing something with the girl. So if Epstein is yeah. getting her to do something and Galen is going to do something and now Epstein gets a summon agreement to stop, you know, that for any claims of getting her to do something as mm -hmm. opposed to actually doing something. Mm -hmm. So that that's that's how that's how I would would interpret this. But um, what about the this, um... is the this is the deepest dive I've had on this. I didn't really go through this very, very carefully beforehand. But um, how do you think I, 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 I appreciate your feedback? Yeah, go ahead. Nick. How 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 would how do how do you guys think this is going to affect? What's the lawyer's name? Um, 
that that she also made claims against because she's also suing Alan Dershowitz. She's yeah, suing Alan uh, Dershowitz for the same thing. How is this going to affect think, his case? I don't think I, I think he's going to have the same problem. If you know, I, I would imagine he's exact same category as Prince Andrew. Is he is Dershowitz trying to use the same defense? Yeah, he was. He was trying to use the same. He brought Ooh. the same claim. Well, if and it's, it, I and mean, it, it doesn't play well in the eyes of the public that you're saying I had nothing to do with this, and if I did. Well, I'm covered by Epstein protected me. What? <laughs> like, <laughs> you, I mean, we as lawyers understand intellectually that, you know, yeah. you're sort of making like the argument as, as saying like, hey, you know, I didn't, you know, when someone has someone a claim that, hey, you took my, you took my lawnmower and you say, I never took it. And then and, and you gave it back to me broken or whatever. You say, I never took it. I gave it back to you fine. And what, it was like that when I got it and I gave it back to you fine. You can give those alternate answers you know, as we as lawyers understand that, but when you're trying to play that in the court of public opinion, everyone just sort of looks at you like, huh? <laughs> really? Yeah. The court, yeah. The, court, the court might be right here based on these analysis. So I, I th this might be correct. I, I might actually have to get into this as time allows. I'm using my lunch break to be here. So. <laughs> well, we appreciate that, Kurt. Yeah. Thank you. Saw yeah. Me eating off camera. <laughs> um. Yeah, no, I, I, I do, I do agree. Because when, it, when I first, when I first read the, the, the language of the settlement agreement that they were sort of fighting over, it seemed like, yeah, this is just very broad, uh, very broad language, and it seems like that would, that would, that would cover this situation. But looking at the court's reasoning, I mean, yeah, if, if, if it would, if it would have required essentially an entirely different lawsuit to have been filed against Epstein, but not against Epstein, you know, that then, then you're talking about not the same lawsuit. So, so yeah. that, that settlement agreement shouldn't apply in that other situation. If it's, if it's for a, a completely different cause of action. So well, yeah, I, I was, I was on I another disagree. channel, by the way. And, I'm sorry. Yeah, go ahead, Nate. Cause I'm, no, I'm just, just saying, I, I just, I just, dis I disagree with the, I disagree with the, the fact, the, the implication that she would have had to been joined to Epstein's lawsuit. I think the argument is he would have had to have been able to be a defendant within that jurisdiction. So she would have been able to have to sue him within that jurisdiction. But since she wouldn't, because that's why he brought up personal, uh, judge brought up personal jurisdiction. She wouldn't have had personal jurisdiction. So she wouldn't have been able to sue him in that jurisdiction at all in Florida. So, uh, you know, whether or that, not that's they real, could have been. Yeah. That's what, that's whether or not point. it could have been joined to Epstein's lawsuit, I think, is a piece of it, but I don't think it's the main point of it. He, he mm -hmm. wouldn't have been able to be sued at all in it there because of the personal jurisdiction. Yeah. Oh, that's a fair point. That's a very fair point. So, well, that actually, uh, if you're relying on the whole jurisdictional issue, in that case, Dershowitz probably could get out, uh, could have a better case to rely on the on this agreement because he had jurisdiction from florida the jurisdiction would more likely have the florida would more likely have jurisdiction over dershowitz because we know he went to epstein island everyone went to epstein island came out from florida so he presumably spent sufficient time in florida that that perhaps he could have been named there and if he could have been named there and the whole basis is that florida has a lack of jurisdiction well in that case he would say no florida has plenty of jurisdiction over me in which case she had an obligation she had the ability to bring me as a defendant there mm -hmm. and that would have succeeded and that's why this this agreement therefore covers me because it covers anyone who this jurisdiction has authority over who this yeah this, mm -hmm. this locale has jurisdiction over so perhaps he can distinguish himself from epstein and will and have a better reliance on this agreement 
I don't, I don't know um, though, because I, I still, I, yeah. I still think that the, the cause of action itself <laughs> that, uh, that she sued Epstein for section 2255 was, was over trafficking. It wasn't over, right. you know, you know, having, having these, these inappropriate, um, uh, inappropriate touchings and whatnot, um, of a minor. Um, but it's, it's for the actual trafficking of a minor for those purposes. I guess so, just, just to be clear. So you're, and you're making a great point, Alita. What you're yes. basically saying is that that's the what, meaning could the question here now is the agreement is covering anyone who else is a potential defendant. Well, now we're looking at can Andrew be a potential defendant in that Florida case? Could he have been a potential defendant? And could Dershowitz have been a potential defendant? Well, there are two different bases to say that one or both of them could not have been a potential defendant. One is the what. In other words, what statute is there? And the other is the where. So the what is, you know, the charges that were subject that, matter that, jurisdiction. The, not no, that's not subject matter this not the subject matter jurisdiction, but well, I guess no, you're right. Yeah, Thank it is. Yeah, you. you're, it you're is correct. A, yeah. This is subject the subject matter jurisdiction, meaning do those statutes apply to Andrew? Do they apply to Dershowitz? That's one element to it. And the other is the where. Does the mm -hmm. state of Florida have jurisdiction of and over Andrew? Does the state of Florida have jurisdiction over Dershowitz? So while I agree with you that and now, uh, if in so, what are we getting at here? We're saying if, in fact, these two people could have been brought as defendants in Epstein, well, now this Epstein agreement will protect them. And if they could not have been brought as defendants in the Epstein case, then the agreement arguably does not protect them. So they they're now basically looking to say Andrew and Dersh and and Dershowitz are both trying to say, hey, we could have been proper defendants in that case, and. The plaintiff is saying, no, there's two reasons you couldn't have been. One, because of uh, the subject matter jurisdiction that those charges didn't relate to you. And the other is the personal jurisdiction that Florida has no authority over you. So what I, I made the point, well, Dershowitz probably says Florida does have authority over me. So I could have been in that suit. Uh, but Andrew probably has more difficulty making that claim. But when it comes to the subject matter jurisdiction of what are they being charged with? Well, that in theory, both of them have a problem saying I could have been in that suit because neither of them were trafficking. And if they're not trafficking, and which is what Epstein was being sued for in that case, they could not have been in the suit. If you're not in the suit, then the agreement to settle that suit, the court is saying doesn't help protect them. I think that I think that's what our consensus seems to be here after going through this together. If I missed anything, feel free to correct me. I'm still not 100% sold. I have to get into this deeper, to be honest. The the language seems very broad, but broad is not a problem. Um, and that's, that's it, it seems my initial my initial impulse, my initial reading on it was that this seemed to be a desire from the party to set all possible related claims. Now, whether or not that was legally valid in terms of how the language was dropped, the court is making some fairly reasonable analysis that I'm seeing. But I'm not quite ready to pull the pull the trigger of the court being right yet, although they're they're definitely leaning me in that direction more than not. But um yeah, I I, I don't know. It's something something about it maybe just rubs me slightly the wrong way because it, the agreement seems so broad on its face that it's like mm -hmm. trying to get around something that maybe was contemplated at the time by the mm -hmm. parties it's like i'll give you five hundred thousand dollars for for basically a global <laughs> release against me and anyone else and we'll see maybe oh, that's sorry. not maybe the release is insufficient legally but so fine but the the it seems like what was contemplated may not be necessarily what's reflected in the contract so there's something about that's rubbing me the wrong way so and i i understand that and and that's and that's why 
that's why the 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 jury is probably going to have to grapple with something like that or with the, with the, a lot of those thoughts because the the court said you know where there are these ambiguities it's not proper for a motion to dismiss so whether whether or not um you know whether or not all of that really kind of holds 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 water is ultimately up to the jury it's it's not for a motion to dismiss to decide yeah no no yeah, well, I, that I, might, I think that might very well legally be correct yeah but there are there are well there are three pieces of law that I think we, we, we've we all kind of agreed with. Number one, for the court to be able to hold any of them as defendants, you have to have the two type, the uh, double jurisdiction. You have to have subject matter jurisdiction over the claims, and then you have to have personal jurisdiction over the parties. So Prince Andrew, they said, they, they, the court says, well, even if you had, the court did have subject matter, they didn't have personal jurisdiction. I think Dershowitz may have an issue with both too, either personal or subject. And then we have the second issue, which is the motion to dismiss. It's generally... You, um, the non-moving party gets all favorable inferences. So anytime you have an ambiguity, that inference is going to go to the non-moving party, which this time is the plaintiff. So here the court is right by saying, well, since we do have ambiguity and we're at the stage of a motion to dismiss where all favorable inferences goes to the non-moving party, the plaintiff, then we then we have to kick it to And you have a step more in contracts because inferences go against the drafter, and which That's we, true, we yes. can reasonably assume is not, you know, not uh, Virginia. So is, yeah, is, yeah, so... Oh, you're uh, you're yeah. legally you have a lot of yeah. I think legally you have a nice little nice little check marks where the judge really you know laid it out. Yeah. Isn't it potentially ironic that Dershowitz, in theory, may have been involved in crafting this agreement because he was counsel for <laughs> he was counsel for Epstein, so he might craft this agreement and craft which it in is, such a way that he didn't protect himself, <laughs> which is very disappointing uh. because there's there's been a perception, and I don't know if you guys were share this perception or not but until you know recently Dershowitz was thought of as a very good lawyer so if he if he screwed up that hard man maybe we've all been overly <laughs> estimating him and Rudy Giuliani a lot of these people we thought were uh sacred cow lawyers it's like, I will maybe we're all wrong I will tell why, you is, why is it I feel like a better lawyer than all these people this sucks <laughs> I actually I actually took him to task and I and I prefaced it on on the the Galen trial because when it came to the criminal charges you know, Ghislaine tried doing the same thing that Andrew's doing, where she's like, look, Epstein negotiated a deal that covers me, and I have a get-out-of-jail-free card. I got immunity because of the Epstein deal. And, you know, that language was pretty broadly worded, then again, on the law. It, now, now for me, my combination goes to the U.S. attorney, right? That's to, true, yeah. Who drafted this agreement. Not only drafted the agreement, mind you, but as you've noted many times on your channel, Joe, gave Epstein the sweetest of sweetheart deals in the history of time. Mm -hmm. they, they, the police had all the evidence. They, they, they busted into his condos and found the DVDs and CD, CDs carefully labeled with, you know, <laughs> yeah. and all the documentation ever of all these things. And they let him off with a nothing charge. Then they gave him a uh, lifetime probation, which he never actually did. And they never followed up on and they never violated his probation. The whole thing is is what what was going through the U.S. attorney's head is mind numbing, and he there's that quote where he said uh, that it was the pay grade was above me, which implied it might have something to do with some intelligence agency somewhere. Mm -hmm. But you know, will we ever get the truth on on this? Because it seems it seems literally incredible in the literal sense of incredible, not incredible that Epstein was able to get that deal with that kind of evidence and basically then go on to terrorize people for what was it at that point? Basically another 20 years, give or take. 
So yeah. 12 years. I mean, 12 years. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So what's, what's a decade between friends, but yeah. But don't, yeah, don't forget though, this was, this was under the Obama administration. So we're talking about the Obama justice department. Let this slip through. Uh, it was in 2009. Tech, right? Uh, was it 2009 or 2008? Yeah, it's not, well, the, the agreement was signed 2009. Uh, yeah, so it's 10 years. Um, yeah, that, look, everyone thinks that... Who then that, became uh, cabinet. <coughs> which leads everyone to conclude that he was associated with some triple letter agency. The, the alternative is that perhaps hmm. some triple letter agency decided, hey, we want to use this. Meaning there's all sorts of stuff here that that you can understand why the fbi or cia yeah would want to take his stuff have access to it for the purposes of blackmailing some various people because that certainly wouldn't be beyond any of these triple letter agencies and accordingly be able to use it and you know so, and have him remain silent even if he was not working with them at the time that he was engaging in all of this which a lot of people speculate he was because of glenn maxwell's father having close ties to various I Triple I, I, I think I think he was an intelligent asset of this or some other country. I use the word asset advisedly because it doesn't mean that he was employed by or on the payroll of necessarily. To be an asset just means that you have value to yes. an intelligence agency. He may not he might not necessarily even know that he's an asset to be an asset, right? So asset just implies that some intelligence agency somewhere found value in him and was trying to protect him. And I but, I I think that's very likely to be true. And it's our country or mm -hmm. Mossad or MI6. MI6 or K KGB. <laughs> He's under, he was under someone's banner of protection. And this is why I continue to think that uh, there's a there's a non-zero probability that Epstein is not dead. Uh, he may have been he been been secreted away somewhere. And if he is dead, there's a non-zero probability that it was MI6 or Mossad or Someone else like that who may have uh, caused him to no longer be alive in some way. So I think there's, I you know, I'm not, a, I'm not generally a conspiracy theory guy, but I feel like this one. That, that that's just, like all these these red flags. Smells it's a little like, funny, you know, right? Something is not right in the state of Denmark here. If we took a poll here and said did Epstein kill himself, you know, <laughs> no, yeah, I don't think like... any reasonable person. I, you know, the thing, that, the right? thing that sort of puts it over, <laughs> the thing that sort of puts it over the top for me on the whole thing. Mm -hmm is that MCC, the prison where Epstein was being held, Metropolitan Correction Center, they hadn't had a prisoner who had committed self-deletion in 25 or 30 years. Yeah. It had been a long-ass time. All right, this prison in the Southern District of New York is used to having fairly high-profile people, right? They've yeah. had any number of huge drug lords and huge huge people come through their That's system. That's what the Southern so District like puts all their stuff. To, yeah, not like they're not used to these kind of people, all right? Epstein himself had a previous self-deletion attempt in that prison. In that prison, they had his previous self-deletion attempt. And somehow still, after all that, he was not on, you know, a private watch. He was left <laughs> in a public cell with what seemed like an excessive amount of clothing with cameras that were broken oh yeah oh that, that that's good too because there were cameras there were cameras filming the first self-deletion attempt mm -hmm. that evidence was mysteriously lost by the bureau of prisons they accidentally deleted it because there was a uh, there was a judicial order to keep that evidence and they they clicked the wrong button this is what they said they clicked the wrong button so that video evidence of the first self-deletion attempt mysteriously got deleted our bad 
in the second self-deletion attempt, the video wasn't working. Mm. He was in a prison cell with this excess stuff. The guards were literally asleep at the switch. I mean, come on. And they hadn't had a, they hadn't had a successful self-deletion in like 30 years at this prison. It's like, I don't think I have to reach, reach too deep into the conspiracy box, my no. friends. Something no. is wrong here. I mean, I it mean, could also I, it could also be about, some. I'm all about some... assuming incompetence before malice, but man, <laughs> I don't know. On this one. I was I was about to say it could also be some serious incompetence. That's a lot too, of right? incompetence. Legal there's that's a little, yeah. Even for the lot. By the way, that's a whole team of incompetence yes. right there. And, <laughs> and the, the medical records show a break in his jaw, jaw, which basically they say can only be applied with more than 200 pounds of pressure. More than 200 pounds of pressure. In other words, he didn't have enough weight. Like if he was alone, he didn't have enough weight to cause that type of fracture to his own jaw. The only way he could have caused that fracture if he had someone pulling with that much force and weight on him in order to create, in order to kill him that way. So, um, and that's assuming he's he's dead, which the people. I think there's a non-zero probability. I don't know what non-zero probability. probability. Meaning it's not impossible. You're saying it's not impossible. Yes. Oh, I I agree with you on that. By the way, Ray Epps didn't kill himself either. So. <laughs> also, well, did you just lay Maxwell didn't kill herself. Maxwell, I don't think she's gonna die. I think I think that Never. she's gonna die. She will live on forever. She, I, yes, yes. <laughs> she's, she's one of the, the immortals. Spawn, she's the spawn <laughs> of, of the Satan. She's the spawn of Satan. She's gonna far outlive all of us. She, the, the, the Earth will spiral be, out of control because when of will the US government tell us the truth she'll, about she'll still be here it's just too embarrassing never. for them, isn't it? Never. They will it's never. It's too embarrassing. Them. I think a lot, a lot of people are, a lot of people are waiting. Here's a lot of people are waiting to hear about JFK, right? Yeah, no. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's going to happen in like another like ten years. Happened. My working theory of what happened is that the that some intelligence agency somewhere observed him flying to and fro with all these high profile people, and he was just too good of an intelligence opportunity because he's bringing all these high profile people. And he in the, to watch all these people moving and potentially build up potential blackmail and dirt against them, you know, for their cooperation in various oper- in various things. Like, hmm, I wonder how I can possibly pressure, say, Bill Clinton to get me to do my thing. It's like, well, I have this wonderful mountain of evidence. So yeah, basically, blackmail and ex- extortion is what we're suggesting here by government actors. That seems that seems plausible. And then the whole thing got away from them. And now they're embarrassed, and now they don't want their fingerprints all over it because you know they made a bad decision. So that's the way the game is played. Theory of what happened? Yeah, yeah, could could very well be. Let me get it. Let me get a couple couple super chats here. Gunner says the jury would just ignore any instruction about the settlement and pretend that it doesn't exist, no matter what they are instructed. I think. Um, So he's talking about whether you know if 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 this whole question were put to a jury, that may be true. That can totally be true. Um, You know despite the fact that that juries are are supposed to follow follow the law follow the instructions there's no guarantee that they that they're actually going to because personal biases can can totally uh, uh can totally factor in um Kyle Stark says judge Robert Adrian overturned a rape conviction and mandatory 4 years guys 148 days served was enough i'd love lawtube to look into it um i well the I word mandatory suggests something wrong in there yeah. yeah, yeah, that's that sounds very interesting. Um, but I have to go because, as the chat has noted, I have a drop dead deadline on Friday, so I've been using my half hour lunch break to spend time with you guys. Oh my gosh, so thank I you so much for joining us! Work. Great seeing you, bro. Thank yes. you so much. We'll talk to you soon. 
All right. Why, we'll see. Yeah. Why did you streamyard? What was that about? Did you I see his know. name? He, because yeah. the volume on StreamYard, each one, <coughs> um, it, it like like for you, you came in kind of hot when you first came in. So StreamYard well, well, has an hey, issue with the with, with you look good too, Nate. So. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> I'm probably hot too. So matter of fact, so let's because I, I have to leave. I have to leave in about. 15 minutes so can we do the Cardi i was B just one? gonna say yeah are you gonna be right. are you gonna be in court for cardi b are you gonna be there for yeah that? no no this this is one in georgia so cardi b uh, has a lawsuit for defamation because someone called her a hoe right so this is so this is <laughs> you're laughing you're laughing i haven't even gotten to it and the defense of so, truth hasn't worked no she she survived the motion to dismiss so i'm going to share the video with it. the alleged defamatory statements. It's got 4 million views on YouTube and the person still has it up. So oh here my. is, this is the video of the defamatory statements. Again, all these are allegations and blah, 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 blah. All right. <laughs> so here, here is the video of the defamatory statements. So she's suing this woman over in Georgia federal court. So there's a, there's, there was a lot that you spilled. You said that uh, uh, Cardi B prostituted. Yes. She uh, was uh, a drug user. Yes. Cocaine and Molly to be specific. Yes. Okay. She has herpes. Yes. All right. Let's talk about the herpes first because uh, Cardi B did come back and um, address. She kind of gave a little statement on the relationship between you and her. She said that you two lived in the same building, but that doesn't mean that she knows you. Okay. So let's start from the beginning. Okay. <laughs> so that's it. Those first couple of statements that she said, the drug use, because she's saying that these are all defamation per se. The yeah. person saying that she's using illegal drugs, specifically cocaine and Molly, which is right. illegal. Then they're saying that specifically she's a prostitute, which is another crime. So she's saying that they're saying, and then the, obviously the STD was having a contagious disease. So that so those three statements, she's suing over defamate, defam, for defamation. For for all three of those statements? For all, each, yeah, each one of those statements. It's... um. Defamation per se. Look, maybe forty years ago it was defamation per se, but these days I think it just it just bumped up her street cred. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, oh man. But she, there's another, there's another lawsuit uh, having to do with Cardi B right now, right? And it's actually at trial, isn't it? Um, I thought no. there, were, there were they just this is, heard this is opening it. statements. I heard there's Ooh. a there's federal case. Look at this. This is it. Here. This, this is this is the same one. This oh, it is, is. This is the case. Yeah. Okay. They, they okay, just okay. they did joy selection. So. Ah. Okay. Okay. So. Uh, so yeah. Uh, uh, Joe was just re reacting to a super chat that we just got from Forever Cuber. Not sure if you all heard, but breaking news: Prince Andrew stripped of military titles and charities amid abuse lawsuit. Um. Which, which, I. I don't. Yeah. I. Yeah. I haven't. I haven't heard that confirmed. So, but if if that's the case, that's that that's a that's a pretty big deal. Which I actually. Sense. I was on, so I was on, um, I think it was with, um, I'm drawing a blank now on the guy, on the guy's name. He's a, he's a pretty big YouTuber. I'm trying to remember his name, but I was, he had me on with some British woman who really knows all about British pop culture and, and Royal culture in Britain is like a big deal. That is like, that is like the deal there. Uh, Sean Atwood, that's who it was. So I was, I think it was, no, no, it wasn't. It was with Andy Signor. So, so I was on with Andy Signor and, and this other woman, and she was some specialist in, in British pop, pop culture. And she said how there was a massive call for him to be stripped of his titles because of this whole thing, that this is just too humiliating to the crown that he's associated confirmed. with this whole thing. And this is confirmed. 
this is confirmed information. So good job with to you, yeah. Forever Cuber. Forever um, Cuber is yeah confirmed. His information. Yeah, so he's yeah. been stripped of these titles. It's it's so apparently this is something that Great Britain populace was really calling, demanding, and calling for in order to preserve the legacy of royalty. This is just too much of a stain for them that he that even if he ends up you know not losing on this suit, which frankly he'll probably end up settling, especially now you know especially now that he's already been stripped of his title so there's that much more reason for him to settle before before he stripped of his title i would think that you know maybe he wants to preserve his title and it's worth it to him to try and win and try and win in court if you win in court in that case he would preserve that but now i think he's probably going to end up settling i would i would he's more likely he's going to end up settling that's just my <laughs> you don't want to go to discovery on. with this right discovery is going to be oh, hell boy. with this oh my god yeah. yeah but what about sovereign immunity though because he is a he is a well, this the because he's a British royal, and usually you, you, they get sovereign immunity, but not. But I know that's criminal cases, but I'm not sure how it works in the civil context because you can't sue the queen, right? Because she's right. she's sovereign, so she's she's the head of state, but she's a sitting head of state, and so. But but I'm not sure how it works with. The he was a, he was a duke, he was. I mean, I don't know if he's been stripped of that but title. I, I assume that's a title he's been stripped of. That way, he was see, a duke. I, I I'm 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 not entirely sure because so I I know that if you are. And when it comes to foreign, foreign nationals, if they are in the United States as diplomats, they get diplomatic immunity. Um, I don't know. I, I presume that he wasn't in the United States under diplomatic immunity at the time. Um, but I don't know if that would uh, if that would also um, uh, extend to him as a royal if he automatically gets gets diplomatic immunity every time he comes to the United States. I don't know, because I, I know that like, if we were to look at it, like, let's say, uh, members of our government, let's say, you know, uh, the military, we have military bases all around the world. Um, and mm -hmm. in all kinds of countries, folks in the military get into trouble with local laws all the time. And they don't have they, they don't automatically have immunity just because they're part of a foreign government. Um, and in fact, that's why we have things like espionage and et cetera, et cetera, you know? Um, so you can, you can get into all kinds of, of trouble with other foreign laws if you don't have specific, some kind of specific immunity. So I, I don't, I don't know the answer to that, but I'm actually very curious to, to look into it. Yeah, that is an interesting question. Hmm. Yeah. Let's get back to Cardi B. <laughs> Cause we only have like well, another 10 minutes with uh, Nate here. So yeah. But or, the, her, or but, but her only her, the, 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 so the issue that's coming down to, so the judge, she survived the motion to dismiss and the judge said, we're going to go to trial because um, she's pled enough, those statements and, you know, and she released her medical records to show she's never had it. Uh, uh, so the statements can now go in. So the judge is now throwing the question of actual malice to the jury to determine because that's the, that's the, the legal question now. Um, should, did this woman, so, they, so the argument from Cardi B's attorneys is that this woman was a crackpot. And this crackpot can say anybody, you can have anybody you want to say anything, or you pay them $2, they can say anything. And by having, and by repeating these false allegations and not doing any more investigating to them, um, then that means you are, uh, that means that's actual malice because she recklessly disregarded the truth. Um, and she even said, you know, Cardi B said, I didn't know her and this is, but she still made those statements. And so they're going to have the jury decide whether Cardi, whether this woman um, recklessly disregarded the truth or whether Cardi um, or whether or not. So that that's where we're at now. And I, I don't know, you know, it's it's one of those weird things because I always thought actual malice was illegal, was was, you know, was a matter of law. But since it's ambiguous here, 
it seems to be a fact question for the jury. Is the host of the radio show being sued as a publisher as well? The one who was questioning her? Yes, it's the, because she made yes, because she made the statements, right? She she actually said them. That's why. Right. Well, so, she, was asking, yeah, because... she was asking as a question and then was confirming and then they're broadcasting it. So theoretically, she's a publisher now. Right, yeah, it's the repeater it's, rule. It's, it's... Right, because because you can you, you can be you can be sued for for amplifying that statement. Um, you know, if you don't if you don't add you know certain uh, if if you do if you do kind of assume that those are that those are actual statements of fact, right? So so my 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 quick thought process when Nate was like, yeah yeah yeah, we'll show the clip. I was like, okay, wait, we're we're not saying that this is factually true. We're talking about that oh, yeah. about this. We're analyzing this for the purpose of the lawsuit. I'm not going to be sued for this. Or, or, at, or at least and I'm I sitting did. here also. <laughs> I'm sitting here also. Maybe I have a good excuse. A of opinion. I have no idea if she was lying or telling the truth. No one should take from that. No, but but as soon, yeah. soon as they as soon as they put it in the court documents, right? That, that that's it, right? Now it's a matter of public concern. Yeah. So we don't have, we don't have anything to worry about it's in the court documents. <laughs> of course, of course, yeah. But if you know, it's it's like if you if you play a, if you play a game of telephone, you know, everyone that repeats that statement, you know whether or not they they you know they they knew it was a lie or they didn't or not the the fact of repeating it you also are potentially liable for that defamation um so yeah yeah fun 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 times this is going to be this is going to be a, i'm sure it's going to be a spicy case i wish it was televised well, of course as we all oh do oh my god well, well the knife you know it well forget about the knife circuit well, but she has the other case in new york that's coming up soon the one that i'm, I'm going to be going to with um well i don't know if joe's going to be coming to it too but she has that case where she get four years in prison for beating up the two bartenders so she's got i have a, lot a of bigger motivation my motivation to go to that is far greater the, the far stronger motivation is an opportunity to meet you than to like actually watch the trial oh because you're gonna make so, we could have did that any day well now i mean i don't know why i don't know why we haven't you, could, but, you just yeah, you got my Number. What are you talking about? You're you always me up, picking hey, up the me kids, me down and yeah, we should we should definitely hang out sometime. I actually just, drove through just New York City today. <laughs> you guys literally live in the same city. Have you guys actually met up in yeah, person like, yet? No, we haven't. We haven't, no, we haven't met no, in person. We haven't, yet. Haven't. No, I've met I, this I person from across insane. the country I, and haven't met yeah. you. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I met Nate. <laughs> I flew really? and was like, "Hey, yeah, we we had we had pancake yeah. breakfast." He he marveled at my ability to eat pancakes. That's those were a this lot. Where was before you and I met? Joe. That's a uh, Joe, Joe, I didn't know you yet. <laughs> that's okay. That's all right. That's okay. I I, I feel you. Yeah. No. So, <laughs> uh, yeah. You know what? That's it's a good it's a good idea. We should we should definitely like get together for well, some time after the stream. Give me a call because yeah, I'll take you to dinner or something like that. You know. But you but you, you I'll take you, it. You, it's you gotta, gonna be a kosher place. You gotta We're please gonna me after dinner though. You gotta please me. After <laughs> <laughs> Wait, Jeez. you're the one I thought who was whining and dining me. So I know, I, I know. <laughs> do you ever eat in kosher restaurants? Do you have you ever try? Have you tried kosher restaurants? I mean, there's plenty I'm around part you. Of a Jewish, Joe, Joe, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna make you laugh. I'm part of a Jewish fraternity, so that's all. We Are you do really? We go out. We eat at. We eat at the kosher. Like restaurant. Mendy's and yes, stuff right. like that. That's awesome. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> you, you, how did you end surprised. up in a, in a Jewish fraternity, Nate? How'd you end up in a gym? Um, well, yeah, all right. So this, the the school I went to um, had all these fraternities, but they were all like black. You got to be black, this one, Hispanic, this one. And then they had a couple of different ones. So I, I said, well, you know what? 
I don't really want to just be go to the black fraternity because they're black, right? So the fraternity that that I saw was multicultural. They had black, white, Asians, everybody in there. And those they were cool, right? So I was like, you know what? I'll join this fraternity. And they were like, well, you know, um, you know, after I when I was joining up, they were like, well, this is a Jewish fraternity. And the principles of the fraternity was like, we accept everyone for who they are. You know, even though we were we since we were established as a Jewish fraternity, we take everyone has their so I, that just resonated with me like I, I don't i don't care about where you're from or who you you know or who you are from where you were born i care about the person itself so i joined and that was did, it so did then you I have was, to, uh, did you have to part of a jewish did fraternity to, did you have to get cut did you have to get cut <laughs> no I, I was already cut though i was already i was i'm already good i'm already good <laughs> thank you mom thank you for doing too that. much info <laughs> i was very I just, I was talking about, look, the whole thing. We have a whole ceremony with the blood that we tap our finger with the yeah, needle. Yeah. That's what I was talking about. Uh, okay, obviously. Okay, 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 yeah. okay. Obviously. I'll, I'll take your word for it. Like <laughs> uh, uh, Cosa Nostra. Matt, <laughs> no, there's Matt no agenda. Matt Hagen no wants to know, Joe, if there's any agenda you would like to talk about. I don't know what I'm talking about. I don't think you I want think, me talking about I it. I think, yeah, I think I think that's going to be getting a little bit off topic. Yeah, that will be that will be a little bit off topic. <laughs> oh man, oh man. But um oh my God. so yeah. So uh how about uh how about Alec Baldwin? Nice. Let's do it. Yeah. Poor guy. Yeah. What was the latest thing? I didn't see I didn't see the latest about there's so, there's, there's always more to the story. I don't even understand how there's more and more to this story. He has a really bad case of verbal diarrhea. He just he can't stop opening his mouth and he can't stop trying to like publicly defend himself um in ways that uh that that just are not not helpful to his case. Um so uh uh, yeah, Spin said says, yeah, Joe, what is this agenda about? <laughs> uh, there's a lot of agendas out there. Can be, so. Yeah, there's, there's, there's probably there's probably a few. Um, so, so, yeah, so most recently um, what he did was he went on Instagram and and took a video of himself talking about first he, he was talking about how some some woman uh, came up to him and handed him like a Splenda packet and like on there, she had written some sort of a supportive message or something. And he was talking about how great that made him feel. And, you know, and I'm sure that probably, I would imagine that right now he probably feels pretty isolated in the world because I, I think that there are a lot of people within Hollywood and outside of Hollywood that have, that have spoken out about him, um, in ways that he probably doesn't like very much. Um, and uh, and Eric Conley says Alec Baldwin is telling Jesse Smollett to hold his beer. <laughs> yes, yes he is. Thanks, Eric. I'm glad to have you here. <laughs> but um, but you know, so so I would I would imagine that it probably is actually like you know it, it's something that he wants to talk about because it probably actually you know hits him hits him in the in in the heart in a in a very in a very real way. Like I a bullet. Doubt that. <laughs> good one that's a good one um but you know but then he goes on to talk about um the the whole issue about the search warrant for his phone so what happened was uh the the uh new mexico uh, or the santa fe police department um they asked him for access to his phone just like they asked for uh for the armor and the uh and the assistant director they asked for everybody's everybody's phone so that they can get you know photos and and whatever information that they wanted that was related to the investigation that would kind of help them thoroughly investigate this whole thing um apparently the other two gave access to their phones i think even without a warrant um but alec baldwin's lawyers 
said, get a warrant. We're not going to do it without a mm-hmm. warrant, which is fine. That's perfectly well within his rights. Um, and so they did. And then apparently um, then the Santa Fe Police Department said, okay, here's your warrant. And then Alec Baldwin's lawyer said, well, no, Alec Baldwin is in New York, so you need to get one that is uh, that is enforceable in the state of New York. So they had to then kind of go go around and, and you know, link up with the New York Police Department, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so they're, they're in that whole process. And so his statement that he made was that he seems particularly irked about the fact that people are saying that he has not complied with the warrant for his phone, which is true. It's actually true. But what he said in, in in that statement was that it was not true. And then he goes on to talk about the process of, you know, what they're doing with, you know, with going through, you know, mm-hmm. the the New York Police Department, the Santa Fe Police Department, et cetera, et cetera. So there's, there's, a, there's a, a distinction. And it could very well be that he just doesn't necessarily understand the difference between those two terms because he's not a lawyer, right? He's, he's, he is a, a, a lay person. Um, however, it, it seems like, you know, as a lawyer, I would not want him to be talking about this because it just makes him look worse in the public eye because he's saying, you know, I'm complying. And oh, by the way, we're, we're ready to comply when, when the whole process has been properly, you know, gone, gone through the, 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 the full, the full ramp, you know, and, and gotten to, to, you know, uh, from, from X to Y to Z. And once it gets there, we will be, we will, we will totally comply with it. But in all reality, it seems like they, they, I mean, his lawyers and it's well, again, well within their rights that they are, they are able to sort of play the, the, uh, play, play the loopholes as much as they, as much as they can to sort of delay this, make, frustrate the process, make things a little bit harder, but, but it doesn't make him look innocent. It doesn't make him look like the good guy in the situation. It looks like he's trying to hide something, and it very much makes mm-hmm. it uh, uh, makes this into a situation where it looks like the Barbara Streisand effect. You know, whereas maybe yeah. maybe there was nothing on the phone. Maybe there was there was nothing that was that was particularly interesting. Or well, I'm sure there's nothing on the phone anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well, well when I, whenever you do, like when when I when I was a prosecutor, I, I wrote a whole bunch of these warrants. And the the issue is, is that sometimes you'll go to the defendant and you'll say, well, hey, listen, I want to search your phone. And one of two things that happen. Either they'll say, no, get a warrant, or they'll say, okay, we'll give you the things that are, and I'm assuming that happened, prob- that probably happened here with this case, is that the Alec Baldwin's attorneys were like, we got stuff on the phone that we don't want you to see. So we'll give you the things that we think are relevant. But as investigators, you're saying, you know, do you trust the target of the investigation to only give you things that are relevant to the investigation of the phone? So generally, you want to see everything. And then what you'll do is like all the other stuff, you'll say, you know, it's, it's like I didn't see that, but I, I'm looking. But I want to make sure I see everything to get a full context of what I'm what I'm looking at. So I think that's the fight with Alec Bolton is that he probably has stuff on that phone. Where he doesn't want anyone else to see. And I think he even mentioned it in that video, like, you know, letters from my wife, and all, which is, you know, probably BS. But whatever, all these other little things that he doesn't want other people to see, that's why he's, he's stro- you know, he's struggling um, to give it over. But the argument between compliance and non-compliance, it's, it's, um, it's like right there down the line, for instance. The job of the of his attorneys is to make sure the government jumps through every single hoop it needs to jump through to get through the process to get his phone legally. So if there's a warrant and I say, well, I'll give you my phone, I'll comply, but I want you to jump through every hoop that you legally have to jump through to get it. 
then he's technically right, right? I'm going to comply. I just want to make sure they do ev they follow every step legally they need to do for me to be able to turn it over. So it, it in one instance he's he is you know he's fighting it a little bit, but if he's just saying hey just go through the proper procedure and I'll hand it over to you, then I think he's he's there. He's able to still say like you know I'm complying, but I just want them to to go through the jump through all the hoops. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think, I think, and, and it could also be that they also plan to, uh, plan to argue about the, the scope of the warrant as well, you know, later on when, when, when the, when whatever evidence they've gotten from, from the phone that they, you know, ha have deemed that is, is, you know, relevant or necessary for the investigation, you know, that in order to admit that stuff into evidence at, trial or, you know, or what have you, that they, they may want to argue about that too. So, you know, there also is the, is the, the possibility that, that they're looking at this as, you know, we need to fight this, like Nate was saying, every step of the way so that we make sure that we preserve all of our arguments, um, uh, you know, ultimately for, for those later arguments later on down the line, we can't just like allow them to, to take this stuff and then say, oh, no, 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 you weren't supposed to take that. If you didn't fight it at the beginning, you usually can't fight it later on down the road. I want to ask you a question. I, my learned counsel here, especially so while we still have you here, Nate, because you are a criminal mm -hmm. defense. I don't think that's really Alita's thing. If you were his lawyer, would you be pleased or upset if you learned that uh, sometime like between like now or or let's say last week, and when he ends up turning over the phone, there happened to be some sort of issue he had with his phone, which caused him to have a factory reset on his entire phone. And now basically he'll turn the phone over, but there's nothing there but a bunch of contact numbers. So how would you feel about that if you were his attorney and he came to you and told you that? Would you be pleased or would you be <sighs> upset? You get, you know, he's paying me to make the argument, right? He's, I, I don't know if I, I don't know, I, I don't, I don't take issues like that where I'm upset versus happy. You know, if, if the client gives you, gives you, sometimes the client just gives you shit, and you got to kind of try to make lemonade with it, right? So if they do give you something like that, then you got to make the argument. You know, what you got to, you know, this wasn't, this was accidental. This was this. This was this. You, you have to, you know, you have to defend your client. Um, so I, I, I wouldn't be upset at it, but I would, I would, I would. It would irritate me to try to now make the argument. Now I got to convince a judge that this wasn't done intentional, and then I got to get all those facts together to present to the tribunal, because uh, I think you'd have to. It would, it would be in um. Well, it would be here in New York, and then you'd have the the issue with the tribunal who actually issued the warrant, which was in um New, New Mexico, right? I believe it's New Mexico. Mm -hmm. So it it it, it, would, it would be it would be it would be tough. But again, but also for so everyone understands too when you have you you not only issue a warrant for the actual physical phone. You also issue the warrant to the tech company um, for the cloud service, like say for right. CPS cloud service to get all that stuff. Because a, a lot of times when somebody does give over the phone, they'll try to delete stuff. So you mm -hmm. so you want the stuff from the cloud to match it to the stuff from the phone. And then since you have the, and would you, you go through matching all the text messages. So if, if he's texting the armorer, you'll see the armorer's text messages and you'll get her backups and then you'll get his and then see if, you know, if anything was deleted and the same thing with the AD. So that's the way they're going to go through it. If there's anything deleted, they'll be able to see it. But if a factory reset, it may not help him, but we'll see. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think I, uh, the other, and the other side of that too, is that the, there's, there's the, the court of public opinion that would look shady as all hell uh, to the public. 
Um, well, the one thing he definitely needs is a yeah. new PR manager. He really needs a PR manager because yeah, dude seriously has no uh, idea. I don't. I don't he's, he's so oblivious to why he's hurting himself. I think that Alec Baldwin also he seems to be of the personality type that no one can tell Alec Baldwin what to do except for Alec Baldwin. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so so I think I think that you know I just I I I. I don't say I would take the God job. God bless his lawyers. <laughs> God bless his lawyers because I, I don't I, I feel like he would be one frustrating client. I, I don't know that he yeah. would be my favorite client um by a long shot. <laughs> anyway, yeah. he probably would be my least favorite client, to be honest. Um, yeah, that's because... where you like basically charge Alec Baldwin rates. It's like, look, I got my regular rate, now I got my Alec Baldwin rate because you're gonna be a pain <laughs> in the ass. This is gonna yeah. be annoying as hell. Yeah, yeah. And forever he resent. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> excuse me. <clears throat> oh, excuse me. Forever Cuber says in this video how quickly he goes from a Splenda packet to brass tacks was amazing. It's almost like he switched personalities. <laughs> God bless. And I, but don't, excuse me. Um, I, I was going to say that I, I, so I, I, I didn't watch it, but I, I heard the audio of it, and it, and I can tell from from the from the audio, it it was very, it was a very dramatic shift in his in his demeanor, and you know, and that, and it reminds me yeah, of his interview with George Stephanopoulos, um, where where he yeah. just to me, it seemed like there were there were certain parts where maybe he was he he had some genuine emotion that he was showing. I wasn't even necessarily certain that the emotion that he was showing was actually for the things that he was talking about or maybe more for, you know, mourning his own, <laughs> his own personal loss, his own professional yeah. loss. Um, mm -hmm. And then, and then there were times where, where he was, he was talking about, you know, like where he was, he was getting very, very dramatic about like, Oh, and, and the crew, the crew worked so hard on this film and, you know, and he just like, he seemed, he was like, like cheering up talking about that. And then when he was talking about the fact that Helena Hutchins children will grow up now without a mother and he was not getting emotional about that part. Like it was just the, 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 the disparity between the two was just so strange to me. Um, and, and yeah, so it's, it's just, that's what, that's what this, this reminds me of the, the, with the switch from, from talking about a Splenda packet to talking about the, the brass tax as, as forever keyword says. But one, one thing though, I gotta watch this thing, especially about well Alec Baldwin, if you read through the, um, the warrant, because I read through the warrant with, um, on America's Untold Stories and we read through the warrant. Um, they, so they sent me the warrant and we're reading through it. And to be honest with you, that warrant doesn't look like they're after Alec Baldwin at all. It looks like they're really after the armorer or the AD. Because when you go through the warrant, they, there's a chain of custody for the gun. They say who had the gun, who loaded the gun. And in that search warrant, they even admit that they gave him the gun and everyone believed the gun was cold or empty or, you know, or, or not able to, to fire or injure anybody. So with those facts, you know, it, it's, it's going to be really hard because um, for well, most people don't understand the intervening cause. Right. So even if even if Alec Baldwin did it, if, if he has an intervening cause that saves him from liability, then he's not going to be charged. So, you know, I, I understand this. There are people who believe that he should be charged. But if reading through that search warrant, it really makes a really strong argument that they're not after him at all. They're really after the armor for what, what looks like to be um, involuntary um, manslaughter. Could be. <clears throat> to, to be fair. I mean, I think that he definitely should get hit with a heavy civil charge here. Like, I think he should. Oh, yeah, definitely. It should cost him millions of dollars. This is the question. This is where we're getting to that line between accident versus reckless. And yeah. And, and, yeah. And what and what leads me towards thinking perhaps more reckless, certainly than than Kim Potter, at the very least, 
is every gun owner I know telling me that, hey, you check that yourself. That's just what you do. Everyone checks it themselves. And a failure to do that, if it's something that's so customary, unless it's so uncustomary to do that on the set of a movie, which is possible, because, I mean, they might be, especially if it's a gun movie, you have guns coming in and out all the time. So if it's so uncommon to do that on a movie, that might be an excuse why. But um, <laughs> considering all the gun safety issues that they had on that set, I, well, I don't know also, how he's not being. I don't know how he's not being charged here. It's very. And it's also, very, oh, sorry. Yeah. Go, go ahead. No, I, uh, I'm just saying it's. This is, it seems so much worse than Kim Potter to me. But it. Oh yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah. I I would agree. And and also, so the, uh, the other thing that I wanted to talk about is um, the the rust armor. Hannah Gutierrez Reed just filed a lawsuit against the uh, the 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 prop. Uh, the prop guys basically that that brought in <laughs> that brought in the ammunition etc and i and I, uh it's been it's been reported i haven't had a chance to look too closely at the factual um allegations in her complaint because she's got four 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 claims there um <clears throat> a lot of uh, a couple of them are strict liability um another one is like unfair competition law um and then uh but the most of most of her complaint is this very long um uh explanation of facts uh, as to what happened, and and it was reported, I saw that uh, one of the things that uh, that she says in there is that Alec Baldwin, and now he, she didn't list him as a defendant, which is interesting, but she but she says that that Alec Baldwin um, apparently missed a a, uh, a a training for gun safety that he was supposed to go to. Um, so that's that's a very interesting point. If if Alec Baldwin decided that the rules don't don't apply to Alec Baldwin. Um, and that he doesn't have to go to go to no, go to to a you know I don't I don't need your stinking training, you know then then that's that's also potential fodder for for negligence as well. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Well, yeah. listen, guys, I I got to go teach kindergarten math, but it was Aww. great as always. But Joe, don't forget yeah. when you get off of here, just give me a ring, and I, sh I should be good. Yeah, once you're once you're out of your quarantine. <laughs> All right. Wait, are you still in <laughs> well, quarantine? No, 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 no. Yeah, my kid got um, one of the kids in my kid's class. Well, a couple of kids in my kid's class came down with it, so they. When does your quarantine, quarantine end? When does your quarantine Friday, end? Um, tomorrow. It okay. started. It was actually Yay. started last week, but it's for five days. So they gave us five days, mm -hmm. which is cool okay. because we're all vaxxed mm -hmm. and boosted. So. Oh, Good if you're vaxxed, then you're more dangerous. So. <laughs> Later, guys. Take care, brother. See you, Nate. So Theophrastus 3.0 says rumor Alec Baldwin will perform with the hologram of the late Don Knotts and a remake of the shakiest gun in the West. <laughs> if not true, it should be. <laughs> nice. I'm Deputy Five. Four <laughs> uh, Ever Keeper says, I don't think a PR manager would help, to be honest. He's going to continue to speak out regardless. I think that's what you said. Yeah, that's yeah. what you said. And I yeah. agree. Yeah. Andy, the game maker says, I'm looking forward to the moment when Alec Baldwin turns into Larry Braverman of 30 Rock. I, you yeah. know what? It's funny because when when he has these these statements where he's where he's talking about the 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 more like formal parts where he's kind of arguing for himself, he definitely sounds like him uh, to me. Um, so which is which is just interesting. Um, and Jason Lizot says angers me how he is all about poor me when we all should remember that Helena Hutchins is the true victim. Oh yeah, that's true. I don't know I mean, how it is. Her and her family, right? I, yeah. Let me ask you a question. Do you ever watch your own crap afterwards? I don't mean crap, but do you ever watch yourself? <laughs> I, I, I do. I do. And I probably should 
more than, uh, than I do anyway, just to, just to sort of like, you know, analyze my, my mannerisms and whatnot. I know there's, I know I've got, I've got a number of ums and uhs, which I've, I've managed to reduce, thankfully. Um, mm-hmm. but, and, and there are, there are other, other things that I probably could do to improve my performance, but yeah. Why do you ask? Because I, I used to do it a lot more when I, when I was first making, when I was first, you know, appearing on different shows or doing my own work. So I would do it religiously. Like I would always review it afterwards and just sort of watch, you know, how I handle a moment or, or whatever. And I, I do it less now that I'm producing more content. I just don't have the time to review everything yeah. that I, that I do. But I would think that, that my, the reason I ask that is I'm thinking like, does he ever actually watch himself and sort of step out and like, just re-examine, okay, how did that come across? Did that come across the way I wanted to? Am I, am I sending the message that I'm hoping the public is going to get? Because it's almost as if he's oblivious. Like he's just completely oblivious and not he's so lacking in any sort of self-awareness as far as recognizing that, hey, this is playing really poorly. You're, I'm looking like a jackass. And, and to sort of take note of that and say, okay, how am I going to remedy this next time? If only because he's such a narcissist and he's always looking out for himself. So if only for that reason alone, that's a reason to sort of step back and say, okay, look, I look kind of psycho when I'm jumping from one moment here to another moment, you know, one mood to another mood, or Mm -hmm. if I'm screaming defensively all the time, it comes with a play. It's not playing well. And I need to sort of remedy that the next time I'm talking about this, which invariably will be with like, you know, the next five days or so. So, and that's why you only get that if you actually look at, you know, review your own work rather than just do it and cut and move on to the next thing without looking at it again. You, you don't get a chance to self-assess. So that's why I was wondering, I, I was wondering if I'm the only one who, who would do that or if, you know, that was a common thing. I figured you were a good person to ask. Hmm. So, <clears throat> well, thank you. Um, yeah, no, I think, I think, I think that anyone <laughs> that, that really wants to improve their, their performance at their, at their craft um, generally is going to do that at least to a certain extent, right? I think that mm-hmm. someone who is maybe at his level maybe wouldn't. I mean, because he's been he's been acting for so long, right? Like he's been he's been he's been you know a, a quote unquote a lister for for decades at this point. I mean, and and it's not it's not exactly a secret that he's known around Hollywood and elsewhere uh, to be someone who's. Uh, thinks very highly of himself. Right. right. I mean, he's, he's in a different category. He's Alec Baldwin. He's not, he's not a pleb. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if he, if he, you know, assuming that he did do that at some point, if he stopped doing that a long time ago, mm-hmm. um, just because he's like, well, I know my performance and my performance is great because I'm Alec Baldwin. Yeah, it could be. I mean, and, and if you think about it, in the early nineties, I mean, the term Baldwin was a reference to a good looking guy. I mean, that's, he literally became the definition of good looking. I mean, yeah. from the movie Clueless. So, you know, that 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 certainly is not going to help someone fight their narcissistic tendencies. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. It's just, uh, it's a shame. And it shows you how, like, you can't really, you can't show too much love to people. Otherwise, they become Alec Baldwin. Well, um, well, also, I mean, there's, there's also, there's also something, something to, to speak of, you know, for people that do become famous to, to maintain certain, certain connections with people around them who are still able to tell them, no, you're wrong. You're doing this wrong. You need to do this this way, you know, and to actually be able to hold themselves accountable. 
Um, like I, 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 I know, I know Joe Rogan has talked about fame quite a bit on his, on his podcast that he's like, fame is a weird thing. It's a very weird thing for any human being to go through and it's not natural. So it's like, if you do go through it, you really have to have some, some tight, some tight connections around you to, 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 to maintain, yeah, yeah, to maintain that sanity. Cause otherwise you, you go crazy, uh, like, like Alec Baldwin. Right. Right. And I think you and I like are starting to see little and un- be able to understand that a little bit better because it's like all of a sudden now, sometimes people will just like, you know, recognize you in a particular setting or something like that. Or people seem people you never heard of seem excited that you're a t- appearing on a show and you're like, really? <laughs> like, no, no, no. that's my first thought is like, really? Okay. You know? Like, yeah. It, I had it like I had a guy who had like you know a, a very small channel, like you know a few hundred subs, and he was like so grateful that I'm appearing on his show. I'm like I'm just some idiot lawyers in New York, like why do you <laughs> care? But like yeah, so like you could sort of understand, and that's when we're like seriously, we're not like we're like we're like a tiny, 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 tiny thing compared to the level of fame. Than Alec Baldwin has, yeah, you know, yeah. So, and still, like, you can understand how it sort of like makes you look at it. It's almost like it's unsettling. Like, really? Like, I'm okay. All right. Like, I'm happy to help you. You know, yeah. Uh, it, it's yeah. sort of weird, but I guess when it comes part of who you are, it's just you start thinking of yourself. It's hard to not think of yourself in a different way because everyone's looking at you in a completely different way. And yeah. it's, it's it's a weird sort of thing. Yeah, it's it's uh, your 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 sense of of reality. I think uh, has has a lot to do with it too. If if you if you if you have your your perception again grounded uh, mm-hmm. in in a reality where where you are a human being, just like any other human being, you you, you put your pants on the same way anybody else does, most yeah. likely. You know, like you you breathe, you eat, you poop, you do all the same things that any other human does. You just happen to be known by more people. Um, you know, it's just, it's, it, yeah. When, when, and when you, inter- when you don't protect that, that reality, that's, that's when things get really weird. And it, it could be that it's like sudden wealth, meaning yeah. if someone, if someone is tacky or they're, or they're a bad person and they get, and they suddenly get a lot of wealth, they don't change who they are as a person. They just are more ostentatious in their tackiness or being a bad person. And if they're a good person and they get sudden wealth, they still, you know, they, likely will remain a good person even after getting that sudden wealth and it could be that the that fame is another sort of form of amplification of who you are as a person and that person is either going to become amplified as far as being a an even worse person or an even better person that's that's how i think it may work although sometimes i think it might sway you towards darkness i think that that fame or money could sway you towards darkness yeah but but i think if you're genuinely a good person you're i think that that having that out there um, enables you to ju- actually just do more good. I, I, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I think I think that th- there's there's something to that, but I think I, I, as you mentioned, I, I I would definitely definitely agree that that fame and money and and you know wild success can can definitely trend you towards uh, towards darkness for sure. Um, even if you are a good person, and I think that everybody has that within them to to tr- to 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 go down that path, at least to a to to a small extent, even if not to a very large extent. I would I would almost say that it it seems to me that a lot of that would probably come down to how much you are prepared to deal with the uh, 
with the the psychology of what what follows that success, what follows that sudden wealth, what follows that sudden fame, because you know it, it's kind of like I, I I in in you know I I haven't I haven't studied PTSD or anything like that, but I, I often think that that there's probably some element of of PTSD where you know you've you've got you've got people that go to war and they they see some terrible things and they come back and they're kind of okay, and then you've got guys that go and they see see the same exact thing and they come back completely wrecked. And it's not because one person is weaker or stronger than the other person, but but there could be could be I, I don't know this for a fact, but I would I would hypothesize at least that there's some element of that where one person is is psychologically more prepared somehow uh, than the other person, and so their their brain just doesn't uh, doesn't react in the same way as as the other. So really, that's a really good analogy. In fact, I think that maybe it's the ability to compartmentalize. Where you're like, okay, this is who I am in this arena, whether it's a soldier in the theater of war or you and I in the theater of being online versus in our real lives. Where it's like, okay, look, this is just, you know, even though when we're online, we're reflecting who we are as people. We're not, you know, it's not like we're putting on, I know you're the same person offline as you are online. And, you know, I certainly try and be the exact same person no matter where I am. But at the same time, recognizing that, yeah, okay, people out there who don't really know me they only see me in this setting so they have this sort of vision of me but that doesn't change who i am that's just that's just that's just because they're only getting tiny little slivers of who i am as opposed to getting me as a real person so sort of looking at me in a whole different sort of vein than if they looked at, if they knew me in real life and I, I know who i am as a person and so even though i'm, I'm reflecting the same thing they're just seeing they're seeing the public persona that's not the full you're only getting so much of me. Yeah. So and I think it, but that ability to compartmentalize might be the difference between someone who suffers from PTSD versus someone who's able to say, you know what, I'm back home now. And everything is, that was a whole different time and place and situation. Much like when you're online, it's a different time and place and situation. So I don't know. I, I'm, I think it's an interesting, I think your, your analogy there is really interesting. I, I certainly hadn't considered it. So I, 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 I thought of it as I was talking, so, um, <clears throat> I hadn't really thought too much about it before, but, but I, 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 I did notice that sort of like discrepancy between different people having the same experience, <clears throat> um, and how they can, they can, you know, come away with it with, with very different, uh, uh, psychological reactions. effects, you could say. Yeah. yeah. The reaction to it is, is like, night, it's like night and day and you're right in what you're saying. That's that some people are just completely shattered by it. And some people are are just, you know, they'll remember it. And there might be certain elements of like the trauma to it, but it's just having such a, an, a relatively insignificant impact on their day-to-day -day life once they're out of that environment. So okay. really, it's it's a really great analogy. It's a, Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. I, Thank I'm you. really liking that. Do we have other <laughs> topics we're supposed to cover? So yeah, let me let me get a couple super chats and then we'll we'll go to yeah, our, our last topic. Um, at yeah. least that I have, unless you have something else. Um, don't say it's the agenda. <laughs> uh, do you know that Nick brought me on specifically to address I saw the agenda? That. Yeah. I saw that. I saw that. And I was like, oh no. <laughs> uh King KDI says, Joe, maybe it's because Alec is an actor that he's been told for decades that he's the best. No one has told him, quote, the emperor has no clothes. And yeah, I think I think that that I I I personally agree with that. Um yeah, yeah no I I I, to I totally agree with that. I think that yeah. uh I th I think a lot of times that actually when I was talking on 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 Nick's about the agenda, I actually said that people are afraid to say the emperor has no clothes on certain mm. things. But yeah. 
Yeah, go ahead. And uh, York says, oh, no, what happened to Joe? <laughs> Looks like his tie was converted by the LGBTQ agenda. You both are great. Um, so, uh, so yeah, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll leave, we'll leave it at that. And thank you. Thank you for the compliment. Um, I will tell you when I go to, when I, when I go to a Jewish event, I'll wear a white shirt. And when I go to a non-Jewish, like if I, like if I go to a non-Jewish dress up moment, like going to court or something like that, I'll invariably wear like a dark shirt, kind of like dressing like, um, like they did in the forties, like a dark shirt, dark suit, and like a bright tie that'll just sort of like stick out from, from in front of it. And I don't know why it is that I sort of came up with that as far as, hmm. but the, the dark suit and dark shirt, I am, I am to really like that look a lot. It's sort of like if you ever saw guys and dolls, like, like Marlon Brando and guys and dolls, like that sort okay. of, that's that sort of thing. But I got complimented on that. Like, I don't know, 15 20 years ago so i think i'll be where i'll be dressing like that probably for the rest of my life now <laughs> just because yes. of one compliment <laughs> it was from like it was from like a clothing stylist so i was like yeah okay i think this is classic it works all, all right. the time all so. right sounds good sounds good uh yeah. dragon slayer says navy vet ptsd grounding i'm home i see my car i can ride my harley i see my cat i am not there um yeah. that's compartment that's yeah, compartmentalization yeah yeah, I think yeah. I think that's that's a very that's a very interesting point. And thank you for sharing that. Um, so let's talk about uh, to to lighten the mood. Let's talk about a uh, uh, LAPD Pokemon Masters. <laughs> okay, so this Did you is hear like about in, this story? no, I know I don't even know what the hell you're talking about. So so enlighten <laughs> me. I'm like the rest of the audience who's sitting here saying I don't know what I don't know what this is about, but it sounds it sounds intriguing. So let's go for it. I'm I'm gonna share my screen on on this article just because it's fun. Good. Um, <laughs> okay, let's see here. Here we go. Okay, LAPD officers fired for catching a Snorlax instead of a burglar were denied an appeal. <laughs> so. <laughs> So I told good. I told you this would lighten the mood. <laughs> oh, that is so good. That is so good. So what happened? And now this is this is back in 2017. So remember mm -hmm. when Pokemon Go was like all the rage, right? Um, it was like everybody was talking about it. People were like so excited about they're like, oh, this is getting me out of the house. I'm actually walking. I'm, you know, because it was the first time that that people uh really had a had a very um, I guess strong connection with um, God. What is it? Not virtual reality, but it's the other one. That's where it's like virtual reality, but in the real world. I'm totally blanking on the word. I'm sure someone in the chat is going to say it. Um, but uh, you know, so because you know, people were were able to use their phones, use the Pokemon Go app, and find these different um, Pokemon, um, you know, uh, Pokemon characters. Um, alternate reality. Thank you, Royal Wolf Seven. I think or augmented, augmented, sorry, yeah. augmented, augmented reality. Okay, yes. Mm -hmm. Okay, thank you guys. Mm -hmm. Um, so uh yeah, augmented reality because it's it's reality, but it's just been augmented um by you know looking through a particular Virtual, app. Right. Yeah, exactly. So so um so people would you know would be walking around their neighborhoods to find these different Pokemon. And you know, of course, just like in regular Pokemon, you have some that are that are not so rare, some that are very rare. So you've got, you know, if you know that there's a particularly rare one that um that uh, you know is in a location, you you, you can, you know, you want to 
try and get those more than more than others. And people were talking about how much fun this was. I personally never, never downloaded the app. I think because at the time my phone had like zero storage space. And so I like just couldn't afford to, to download another app at the time. Um, but I, I was definitely very jealous of, of what a lot of these people were talking about. Um, so I will tell you that back in 20, I think it was 2016 is when it really started. And it was, it, it was all the rage. And then by 2017, it was like, I felt like a loser still doing it. But I actually did go through like a two month period where I was doing this whole Pokemon Go thing. And yeah. it was fun. It was like yeah. kind of cool. Like carried, And I happened to live by, there's a pond, which is like half a block away from my house. And this, and there was like this Charizard, which is like apparently very rare to find, but it's like a breeding ground for, in other words, they have different, the way the game works, Pokemon, is that there's, uh, hundreds of different characters and some are far more common and others are rarer and the rare ones tend to basically spawn i mean you're more likely to find one in certain tiny sections of the globe when i say tiny i mean like you know a couple of block radius so it's like if you want to find this character there'll only be like it's got to be a two block radius in this state and a two block radius in that state and you have to go there to find it and i was like oh wow like i have like these charizards which are just breeding all the time over here and that's like a a rare character and i was like i wonder if that improves the value of my house <laughs> i live near charizard spawning area but um yeah so it was fun but like yeah the to, the the idea of trying to catch a snorlax instead <laughs> you're on duty wow wow yeah. so wow and what, way and to what take your happens, job very seriously there, there yeah and what happened in particular here was that uh apparently what happened was the the there were there were two officers they got they were in the car they got a call to uh for for a request for backup to a robbery that was nearby they were the nearest ones they should have responded to it they argued that they were uh that they uh, that, oh, that that they were in a noisy area, they didn't hear it, and so they, you know, ended up moving on and doing something else and catching a better Pokemon. Well, this was this was this was before this was before anybody knew about about them them you know playing this game while on duty. So uh, so apparently their their supervisor was like, this doesn't quite add up. I I'm gonna I'm gonna take a look at the dash cam and and figure out what's going on, and so. After looking at the dash cam, they they determined that uh, they they found that they were uh, that they heard it. Uh, they didn't respond to it, and then yes. they talked about Pokemon and the Snorlax and strategies for how to how to possibly get this guy. Um, and then they drove off into a different location. And I believe it's it's presumed that that location was was to actually go a and Snorlax, get a Snorlax guy. breeding ground. <laughs> yes. Yes. Nice. So, uh, so I can uh, let me let me let me sh let me share this again. So uh, it says, uh, according to court filings, an extensive review of the in-car video system revealed that shortly after leaving the scene of the robbery, the two officers could be heard discussing Pokemon Go, including a Snorlax that had appeared and the best route to intercept and catch it. For approximately the next twenty minutes, the in-car video system captured petitioners discussing Pokemon as they drove to different locations where the virtual creatures apparently appeared on their mobile phones. 
When confronted, the officers denied they were playing Pokemon Go and said they were just having a conversation. They tried to appeal on the grounds that the in-vehicle recordings were not meant to be used to monitor officers' private conversations. What the hell? (laughs) But a judge ruled that the premise was flawed and denied the appeal. Yeah, so so we should be allowed to lie because you did not really have a real the, the the reason for having this there was not designed to catch us doing what we were definitely not supposed to be doing when we allow people to like basically have their lives at risk. Private conversations in the car. This is a private matter. <laughs> this is a private matter. This is this is, has nothing to do with work. Well, then why are you then why are you doing it? You're when sitting you're in a police car. In the car. <laughs> <laughs> wow like it's just i you know you know i I want a movie to be made of this whole incident i want this to be the centerpiece of a movie and i want it to be starring um uh uh, no no not alec baldwin (laughs) no uh will ferrell and john c Riley. like i this needs to be another another edition of Step Brothers somehow because this is just that ridiculous that they would that they would yeah, you could like, see yeah, them like arguing okay. arguing about the best pl- the best way to catch that snorlax like w- no no we always have to go your way there's no there's never any snorlaxes over there like you can totally see them <laughs> like you can totally see that happening yeah yeah exactly so uh so so uh the 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 court i, I don't know I, I don't know why they decided yes this is the kind of thing that we really should try to appeal i mean especially now i what type of repercussions are they facing well, they just they 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 appealed because they lost their job over it. So the appeal was over the decision to uh, to to reinstate them. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I think they just they've they've lost their job is my my understanding here um, of this. So Michael Kramer um, actually had a pretty funny comment here because they're in California. That? Michael Kramer commented here in your chat, what's the point if they caught the burglar, the DA would just let them go. At least the Pokemon capture is permanent. <laughs> <laughs> that is possibly that, true. Yeah, that's a great yeah. that's a great point. Yeah. So uh so this is but this is the this is the uh, opinion here um by the court in the in the appeal of Lozano v City of Los Angeles. So um I mean, it's just it's just hilarious. Um, the the court basically says, let's see here, where is it? Yeah, so this is this is the procedural history here for it. So so you can understand like what exactly this appeal was for. Louis Lozano and Eric Mitchell, the petitioners are former police officers for the city of Los Angeles. The city filed a petition for writ of administrative mandate challenging the city's decision to terminate their employment. A board of rights found petitioners guilty on multiple counts of misconduct based in part on a digital in-car video system or DICVS. Recording that captured petitioners willfully abdicating their duty to assist a commanding officer's response to a robbery in progress and playing a Pokemon mobile phone game while on duty. I can't read this without giggling because it's just too ridiculous. You could uh, actually, I wonder if, I, I wish we had, could, what I would love to see is the actual audio. Oh, from that, from so that good. dash cam. That would be amazing. I was like, love you could that. so see, you could so see them saying like, "Dude, no, I can't believe it! You didn't catch that Snorlax. What's wrong?" And then a call coming in. We have an armed robbery in progress here, and, and they're like, "Oh, yeah, that's just da- that's just oh, yeah, Officer Krubke. He's such a drama queen. I'll bet there's no robbery." <laughs> <laughs> just moving on. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, I I really wish that we had that audio because that's that's 
that's insane. Um, uh, it says petitioners contend the city proceeded in a manner contrary to the law by using the DICVS recording in their disciplinary proceeding and by denying them the protections of the Public Safety Officers Procedural Bill of Rights Act. Um, the trial court denied their petition. We affirm. So, yeah, so this is this 32 pages here where they basically say, sorry, guys, you're still fired from your LAPD jobs because uh, you decided to play Pokemon Go while on duty and decided to not respond to uh, a request for backup to a, a robbery that was nearby you. Yeah. Wow. Everything about this story is great. Yeah. Everything isn't it? about it. I mean, I hope no one died. That would that would. Uh... What was there any bad thing that happened at this robbery? I I don't know actually. Um, I don't know if they if they get into it in the facts here, because they. Let's see here. Well, let's let's go through the facts. So under under section one it says radio call for a robbery in progress at the Crenshaw Mall on Saturday, April fifteenth, two thousand seventeen. Petitioners were working as partners assigned to a foot beat patrol in the Los Angeles Police Department, um, LAPD or Department Southwest Division. Petitioner's primary responsibilities included providing community services and addressing quality of life issues in the Crenshaw Corridor and Limert Park area. Sergeant Jose Gomez was petitioner's patrol supervisor that day. Captain Darnell Davenport was the patrol commanding officer for the Southwest Division. It was a, quote, busy, busy, uh, unquote, Saturday Saturday, excuse me, in the Southwest Division. There were more calls than police cars available to respond, and there had been a homicide earlier in the day. Well, I mean, this is a terrible day to choose to choose to 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 play Pokemon Go. While en route to the homicide scene, Captain Davenport heard a radio call for a 211 robbery in progress with multiple suspects at the Macy's in the Crenshaw Mall. When the call came in, the captain could see the Macy's from where he was stopped, and to his right, he noticed a police car tucked back in the alley just feet away. He was not able to identify the unit, and when the unit did not respond to the radio call, the captain assumed it might be a traffic unit or a unit from a different division using a different radio frequency. Consequently, Captain Davenport decided he would respond to the call and notified communications he was going sick, or going code six on the call, i.e. responding to the location of the robbery. At around the same time, the captain saw the police car start to back up down the alley, then negotiate a left-hand turn and leave the area. Sergeant Gomez was in the watch commander's office when the robbery-in-progress call went out. He described the next five to seven minutes as chaotic, with communications sending constant updates as to what was happening at Macy's. As Captain Davenport went code six on the robbery, Sergeant Gomez looked at the watch commander's board and saw petitioner's unit was code six, or located, in the Crenshaw Corridor. He attempted to radio petitioner's unit and requested they respond to the Crenshaw Mall to assist the captain, but he received no response. Simultaneously, a unit broke away from the homicide crime scene and went code three, meaning red lights and sirens, from across the division to assist at the mall. Sergeant Gomez queried communications again for petitioner's response. Communications replied, no, and that was it. No, so actually, no response? No, no, they, the communications replied, quote, no. And that was it. So, yeah. in other words, in other words, these guys, after after multiple attempts to to communicate with them, no, they no, just were like, no, and then just left. Apparently, <laughs> the audacity! I know, right? And this is before this is before COVID. You know, back then people actually wanted to work. These days, no one wants to work. But back then, yeah. back then, people were like, oh yeah, I'm on a job. I should probably do some work here. 
Well, this is, I mean, and this is also before George Floyd. So I wonder, I wonder like what the stress levels of being on LAPD at that time were. They probably were the same as they are today. It's not, it's not at all the same. It's not all the same. You can't compare. That's like, that's like the world before 9-11 and after 9-11. This is a whole different, this was a whole different time back then. Yeah, this was not something they had to be terrified that they were going to end up being like, you know, a national superstar if they shot the wrong person. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so 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 then do you, do you want me to keep reading? Hey, well, it's I feel show. like yeah. I, I feel like I feel like it gets better. So yeah, yeah, so under section two, Sergeant Gomez is meeting with petitioners. When Sergeant go. Gomez returned to the station, he realized petitioners had initiated had initiated their code six on the Crenshaw corridor at approximately the same time that captain Davenport went code six on the robbery in progress. This seemed peculiar to him and he wanted to find out what happened. Sergeant Gomez contacted petitioners and, and arranged to meet with them later that evening at a seven 11 parking lot where they were conducting an illegal merchandise investigation. When the investigation concluded, the Sergeant asked petitioners to clarify what their duties were as the footbeat patrol car. Officer Lozano explained their primary responsibility was community relations with citizens and business people, adding, the main issues are Limart Park. After discussing their duties, Sergeant Gomez asked petitioners if they had heard a call for backup at Crenshaw Mall for a 211. Uh, Officer Mitchell said he had not, while Officer Lozano said he heard Captain Davenport was code 6 at the Crenshaw Mall, but he did not hear a request for backup. Sergeant Gomez counseled petitioners that we have to listen to the radio. Uh, quote, it's it's what our livelihood and our safety depends on, unquote. And he asked them, quote, if their radios were working, unquote. Officer Mitchell responded that there was a lot of music and it was really loud in the park, especially on Saturdays. <laughs> Officer Lozano <laughs> concurred. A lot, of, a lot of music. It's almost like they had like their headphones on and they were like practicing some, you know, like, oh, wow, we are, pra- we are working our single ladies moves. <laughs> oh, man. There's a lot of music. What yeah, there's, there's, a, there's a lot of, there's a lot of music. music guys. All the single ladies. All the single <laughs> <laughs> Officer Lozano concurred, adding, we have no control over the public announcement system and all the loud noise. It was loud. Sergeant Gomez acknowledged he couldn't dispute that. And he advised petitioners to move to a location where they could hear the radio if they found themselves in a loud area in the future. That makes sense. Sergeant Gomez asked petitioners if they had any questions regarding his concerns. And he reiterated that the best practice was to be in a location where they could hear the radio. In his testimony to the Board of Rights, the sergeant explained, At that point, my understanding was that the robbery call wasn't heard because they were at the park. And like I said, I would not dispute that. He concluded the meeting by advising petitioners that he was counseling them for not listening to the radio and, quote, left it at that. Hmm. Part three. So here, we, here we get to, like, where they're exposed. Bum, bum, yeah. bum. <laughs> oh, wait for the other shoe to drop, guys. Part go. three, the DICVS recording and misconduct investigation. Sergeant Gomez was still uneasy about the timing of petitioner's code six on the Crenshaw corridor when he came into work the following day. It then dawned on him to review their patrol unit's DICVS recording to find out if they do on their, find out what they do on their average day. Oh no, (laughs) this can't be good. Sergeant Gomez's review of the DICVS recording revealed new and disturbing facts. It had been petitioner's patrol unit that Captain Davenport saw in the alley only a short distance from the mall. Petitioners did hear the radio call about a robbery in progress. They discussed the call and whether they should assist Captain Davenport. 
and they went code six on the Crenshaw corridor to conceal that they had had decided not to respond to the call. Good well, Lord. Well. The DICVS recording disclosed that immediately after Captain, Captain Davenport's code six broadcast, Officer Lozano asked Officer Mitchell if they were code six on the Crenshaw corridor or on the corner near the mall where they were parked. Mitchell responded they were at the corner and noted the broadcast radio call was Davenport. Lozano then instructed Mitchell to put them code six at the corridor, adding after some laughter regarding Captain Davenport, I don't want to be his help. Petitioner's unit then, I mean, it doesn't get more damning than that. And these are cops, right? Like they, they presumably they would understand that number one, they're being recorded. Number two, that, that all of this would be, could be potentially used against them. Like, right. Like they should be the number one people that understand I don't, this. I don't, I don't want to be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's not okay. music. That's not music. That's a conscious decision to say. Yes. Yeah. Like I said, I don't, don't like want to be his help. I actually predicted this. I was like, yeah, that Davenport, he's always such a crybaby. I'm not going to help him. <laughs> petitioner's, petitioner's unit then moved backwards through the alley and turned away from the mall as Captain Davenport had observed. For the next several minutes, the DICBS captured continued radio traffic regarding the robbery and pursuit of multiple suspects. Hey, hey, guys, I need your help. I need your help. I need somebody's help. help. Anybody oh out God. there? I'm nah. <laughs> nah, I don't want to help. Turn that radio <laughs> down. It's really too loud. I can't hear. I can't. Uh, all the cops oh, my God. Oh, man. After communications made a second attempt to contact petitioners, Officer Lozano asked if they should ask communications if there's a message. Officer Mitchell replied, it's up to you. Whatever you think. I don't want them to think we're not paying attention to the radio. Lozano responded, ah, screw it. Petitioners made no attempt to respond over the radio when their unit was called. Sergeant <laughs> Gomez notified the watch commander about petitioners' conduct and what the DICVS recording disclosed. Oh, Lord. His concerns were forwarded up the chain of command, and the sergeant was ultimately instructed to prepare the, the face sheet of a misconduct complaint against petitioners. Rightfully so, I would say, in this, in this particular case. Like, this is not a gray area, right? <laughs> <laughs> you would think. This is, this, is not, this is not one of those, like, you know, maybe so, maybe not. This is pretty dang clear, in my opinion, that this is <laughs> police misconduct. And yet, and you know, you know, a lot of I've been hearing this whole theory that police are not supposed to stop crime; they're just supposed to try and catch the criminals after the crime has been committed. Like, what? Like, it's a different theory as to what the function of the police force is. I don't. I'm not saying I promote this as being accurate or, or my my perspective on it, but I have heard an argument being promulgated by many people that that the role of the police is not to stop crime, but it's actually just to try and catch criminals after they commit a crime. And that's two different, that's two completely different roles, if, if you think about it. In which case, if that is true, well, then, yeah, you don't need cops to ever show up anywhere. We should just have a bunch of social workers and you should defund the police. I don't believe that that's accurate. I think that the role of cops is to help keep us safe. That's protect and serve. Doesn't mean just serve after the fact, but it means to actually, yeah, if someone is in danger, they're supposed to be the line of defense. Otherwise, I need to defend myself. Is that what they? Is that what the left wants me to do? They want me to defend myself. I don't think that's what they want. Well, and I think I think even if you even if you accept that that argument that that they're just there to catch people when they you know when they do commit crimes. I mean, there was somebody that was committing a crime, and and the police, the other police in the area, were trying to were trying to catch the guy, um, and they decided yeah, that, that it was uh, that it You're... was much more prudent for them to instead catch a robber to catch a Snorlax. 
Right, right. Now that that's what makes them really douchebags. It's like these are these are your brothers in arms, and you're basically like, adios. Yeah, you got the, you got this one, Davenport. I got yeah. you got this one. I got the Snorlax. Yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, Detective Tracy McClanahan conducted the misconduct investigation, focusing on allegations that petitioners failed to respond to a robbery and progress call, made false statements to a supervisor, and neglected to handle a radio call. Her investigation primarily involved multiple reviews of the DICVS recording and interviews with Captain Davenport, Sergeant Gomez, Commander Gerald Woodyard, uh, who oversaw the footbeat units, and Officers Lozano and Mitchell. Hmm. Officers Lozano and Mitchell told Detective McClanahan that they did not respond to the robbery in progress call because Captain Davenport did not request backup and because they were instructed to stay in their assigned area of the Crenshaw Corridor. Commander Woodyard said he did not give petitioners that instruction and insisted they should have responded to the call. Based on the interviews and the DICVS recording, Detective McClanahan concluded petitioners willfully failed to respond to the robbery uh, to the robbery call and attempted to conceal the fact by placing themselves code six somewhere else. After carefully listening to the DICVS recording a number of times, Detective McClanahan also became concerned that petitioners were playing the Pokemon Go video game while on duty the day of the robbery. The recording showed that uh, the recording showed that at approximately 6.09 p.m., just five minutes after Lo Officer Lozano said screw it to checking in with communications about the robbery call, Officer Mitchell alerted Lozano that Snorlax just popped up at 46th and Limert. After noting that Limert doesn't go all the way to 46th, Lozano responded, oh, you know what I can do? I'll go down 11th and swing up on Crenshaw. I know that way I can go get it. Uh, I can get to it. Mitchell suggested a different route than told Lozano. We got four minutes <laughs> for approximately no, the next 20 minutes. You know what minutes. that means? You know what it means when they say we got four minutes? What? So what happens is when a creature spawns in a certain location, it stays there for 10 minutes. Mm. So you have 10 minutes and there's a timer that's counting backwards down from the 10 minutes. That's why he's saying they have four minutes because they basically they, you can get a map and it, it, there are different apps that people that that they have to get a map to see where there's a particular creature, and and the timer is counting down so you could basically know that hey if I get to that location within the next four minutes that I can still catch it so that's basically why that's what he means when he's saying we got four minutes. <laughs> Oh, that's, that's awesome. It's sad. It's so sad. I knew you didn't understand. That's why for those of you who don't play I Pokemon appreciate Go, that. I'm giving you a little little background here as to what they're actually what the actual with your, conversation with your personal is. Personal expertise with, with having, expertise. having been an, an avid, an avid uh, months, you know, Pokemon Go two months, trainer. Five years ago. <laughs> two months, five years Admit ago. Admit it, you're a Pokemon Go nerd. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, I've never uh, watched a single episode of Pokemon in my life, but the game was actually kind of cool. It was kind of a it was a really you know what? It was a very, very novel, creative thing. The yeah. concept of the concept of augmented reality is a really like, it's like, hey, I'm able to see things um, with this app that no other human sees and interact with it. That's actually kind of really cool. Yeah. So, yeah, it's almost like you're like it, it, you're, you know, able to get through the platform nine and three quarters. Right. Like you're able to yes. to, to be part right. of this, this like magical this world. inner cult. Yeah. This inner circle of thing. Yes, exactly that. That's a good. That's a good yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Wait, and this is your. I'm I'm seeing a new strength in you here, Alito. Your strength <laughs> is you come up with the with really good analogies, and I have the utmost respect for that. Thank I, you, because because it helps helps translate it for other people. 
So thank you. Yeah, that's uh, that's I, I I will say that I I have many weaknesses, but one of my strengths is being able to to analogize pretty well. That is, that um, is right. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, so for approximately going back to the opinion for approximately the next 20 minutes, the DICVS captured petitioners discussing Pokemon as they drove to different locations where the virtual creatures apparently appeared on their mobile phones. On their way to the Snorlax location, Officer Mitchell alerted Officer Lozano that a to togetic, was it togetic or togetic? I'm not know. sure. Uh, just popped know. up. Sorry, guys. I'm, I'm, this isn't, <laughs> I, I am, I am a nerd in, in other, in other nerd cultures, but this one <laughs> is a little bit foreign to me. Um, and so he was noting, noting that it was on Crenshaw. This is so great though. It's just, yeah, it's South hilarious. It's like you're listening to their conversation. Dude, there's a <laughs> <laughs> I want this audio so bad. Oh my god, it'd be great. It'd be great. <laughs> oh, people in the chat are saying togetic. I okay. Think. Togetic, yeah. Okay. Um, uh, so after <laughs> I know this is this is really great, right? Now it, it, I wasn't I wasn't Got so him. certain that Oh, this is so good. <laughs> I wasn't so certain that that this uh that this this uh this uh, you know lay, this fact pattern was gonna be so oh no quite, this is quite as this rich is as paying it is. massive dividends. This I is massive very, dividends. I'm very happy. I'm very happy that that, that I decided to cover this today. Yeah. So after <laughs> after Mitchell apparently caught the Snorlax, exclaiming "Got him!" Petitioners <laughs> agreed to go get the Togetic and drove off. <laughs> what happens? Never the way mind the game, robber. Where the they should have said "Got him." Yes, <laughs> I yeah. got the Snorlax. The way the way the way it works is basically so you're holding your phone, okay? So like let's okay, so I got my phone here, okay? So you hold your phone and you basically you're scanning around and then you like see you're scanning around and then all of a sudden you see this cartoon character. You're looking at on like a camera. So imagine just so you set your audience who never played this game before can understand what augmented reality works. So imagine, okay, so I turn on my phone and I'm aiming my phone around and I'm really just looking like through a camera, different parts of my room here or on the outside and on, you know, the street and bushes and sidewalks and all that other stuff. So you're seeing that. And then all of a sudden you just see a cartoon character. Now at the bottom of your phone, what you have is like this bunch of balls, which you collect balls over time. They just keep giving you more balls. And basically, you take the ball, and the idea is you need to, you know, fling you fling your finger up, and that throws the ball, this cartoon ball, towards. You want to try and throw it at the cartoon character, and if it, if the ball, based on your flick, ends up hitting the character, you know, properly, so the it gets caught inside the ball, and then and then it disappears from the screen. It's gone, and it's considered in your bank of different car of different, you know, creatures that you caught. So. Basically, the uh, so when he's saying got him, what he basically is saying, like he flicked his ball, he flicked the thing at it and managed to actually <laughs> catch it with the ball. <laughs> yeah, catch it with the ball and catch and, and get it into his own bank. That's what he's really yeah. saying there. It's amazing. Yeah. yeah. Oh, man. That's that's awesome. Um, Silo 101 says, can't someone do a FOIA request for the audio? I I would imagine so. I, I I mean not not everything is is subject to a to a, a Freedom of Information Act request. Um, but I would imagine it it I mean it's going to take time for that to come out. It would probably be, I mean at least thirty days. I think I, there, it's been a while there, since I looked at a FOIA. Okay, uh, but is there any situation. investment of effort that would not make this totally worthwhile? Yeah, that's so true. That's so true. Oh man! And and two hundred watt studio says, "Dang, I was going to suggest for you audio too." Here's two, here's two dollars. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, yeah, I, you're you're right. That might that might actually be be well worth it. Um, 
so uh so okay let's 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 continue let's continue mm-hmm. um so so they so the petitioners agreed to go get the togetic and drove off when their car stopped again the dicvs recorded mitchell saying don't run away don't run away <laughs> Because oh, yeah, when when the time well, runs out, the time runs out, they just sort of screw the scram off the screen. I, so like, you're like, no, oh I gotta catch him fast. I gotta catch him fast. Don't run away. Don't oh run God, away. So this invested. is hilarious. They're acting they're like so invested. I love it. Yes. Yeah. They're like acting like a, like a bunch of like you know nine year old girls. It's like it was like them, me, and nine year old girls. So there you go. Oh my God. So so they said. Don't run away. Don't run away. While Lozano described how he, quote, buried it in ultra balled, unquote, the togetic before announcing, got him. Some of the balls are <laughs> called ultra balls. They're like capture. They're better at catching. So you don't have to catch okay. as square on. And especially each of these creatures, you have the same creature, but they have di- sometimes there's some some creatures which have a higher value. They attach a number of value and that gives it. The more value, the, the higher the number, the more powerful that creature is. Because what you do with these creatures ultimately is you go to like these, these they have these different areas where you can basically get use the creatures you captured and upgrade them. And when you upgrade them, that you can use them to fight and engage in like a fight to basically beat someone else. And so that makes it interactive, where you're like actually working, you know, playing against someone. So, so the the there are higher. So the if you start with a higher level creature, meaning you can have the same character and you catch one of them and it's got a value of 10 and another has got it starts with a value of like 230. And then when okay. you upgrade it, if you upgrade a 10, it's going to max out at being like 60. You upgrade a 230, you can max out like a thousand. So okay. that's why you want to get a higher value one. And to get the higher value ones, you need a more evolved type of ball, which as you get, okay. as you go in the game, you, so the ultra balls, so what he's saying is like, he was using his top, they've been playing this for a while. If they got ultra balls, my point is, this is not, this was not their first de- day playing Pokemon. They've been doing this okay. on the job for a freaking long time. And, <laughs> oh my God. So they're, they're basically, he was saying that he was using, you don't want to use up a lot of ultra balls, but he basically was using those ultra balls to catch that, that freak. That Snorlax was big. That was big to them. Part of their punishment should be that he should be forced to release the Snorlax that he caught that day. <laughs> that would be fitting, a fitting punishment. Oh my God. Uh, so, okay. So then, so that's, I, that's, that's, that's amazing. I'm, I'm, I'm so glad that I have you for this conversation for these, for these extra bits of, of, of context here, because that adds so much it does. flavor it to does. this story. I know. It, makes it the really does. Better. Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, so okay, so 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 they 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 buried it and ultra balled the Togetic before announcing, "Got him." Mitchell <laughs> advised he was quote still trying to catch catch it unquote, adding, "Holy crap, man, this thing is fighting the crap out of me." Because <laughs> <laughs> sometimes the ball will hit it and then it still won't take, and you're like, "Ah, oh, man, it doesn't." It's like you it's like you try to throw a fishing reel and try and catch it it's just like nah, come on come on you, but instead of doing that you're just throwing one ball after another at it amazing oh amazing. my god this uh, is so good so uh so uh, okay so, i know this is this is so great um eventually mitchell exclaimed holy crap finally apparently in reference to capturing the togetic and the, and he remarked <laughs> the guys are going to be so jealous <laughs> Many of these LAPD officers oh, were doing this on the job in 2017. It. They're all <laughs> doing it. The whole LAPD. They're like, oh, dude, you know what? Today we got to get it. Get out. You did not get your liar. You did not get it. Okay. No, no, we got it. Okay. Today. 
Oh my god, this is I, this is hilarious. I want to know. I want to know who else in the LAPD at that time was playing it. Number one, playing it. Number two, playing it while on the job. Yeah. And, yeah. Oh, my goodness. I'm, I'm is... going to tell you right now. I, I, part of their resentment about losing their job, I am positive. I am positive, is that they're thinking themselves. There's like 50 other guys in the in, down at the station who are all playing it, and we're the only ones who got busted for this. And it's not right. That's yeah. what part of their resentment is. It's not that they lost their jobs. It's like, what are you kidding me? Everyone's doing this, and like, why should we get punished when everyone's doing it? That's not fair. Yeah, that's yeah. that's that's what their resentment is. Oh my gosh, uh, John Cook says, honestly, if I were a cop right now and someone told me to put my life on the line to stop a robbery, the DA won't prosecute anyways. Ultra balls. <laughs> I can I can understand that. I can definitely Yo, try understand these that. ultra balls. <laughs> Oh, man. So, so so the guys are going to be so jealous, he said. Petitioners then that, agreed. That really, that really is an indictment of the entire police mm. of the yeah. entire police squad. It really is. Because yeah. they know. They know what other cops are doing. Oh, my wow. God. That's, and, and, and I would I wonder how like what the conversations were like back at the station when they were back to, you know, do do, you know file file reports on different arrests and all kinds of stuff that you know administrative stuff that they have to do they're just kind of like back and milling around and you know bumping into people and being like dude dude you you know what i got today you think you had a good day (laughs) (laughs) yeah like i just arrested a murderer yeah well i got it to get it so (laughs) suck it (laughs) and a snorlax (laughs) and a snorlax two in one day (laughs) um i mean this is like this is like an like this also kind of reminds me of like this should be this should be uh, an episode of brooklyn 99 yeah this really should be yeah this is this is awful this is ridiculous (laughs) um awful and awesome it's both at the same time right (laughs) yes all at the same time like like if this wasn't if this wasn't like a like a like a terrible thing that like we are relying on our police department to keep us safe and you know help to maintain order and lawfulness and all this kind of stuff. Right. Um, you know, like like this is this is kind of what we need in order to to have a have a functioning society. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's a little bit tragic, but at the same time, it, sometimes you either you either cry or you laugh. And this is one of those situations where it's just so much better to laugh. <laughs> Petitioners then agreed to return to the 7-Eleven where Sergeant Gomez later met them to end their watch. On the way, Mitchell remarked, I got you a new Pokemon today, dude. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Detective McClanahan conducted a second round of interviews with petitioners to discuss her concern that they were playing a video game while on duty. Petitioners denied playing a video game. They claimed they were merely having a conversation about Pokemon Go, and Officer Mitchell had been receiving text messages and alerts from a Pokemon Go players group where people were bragging about their scores. Detective McClanahan determined petitioners were not being truthful. We don't see this. I think, uh, yeah, I think there's a lot of evidence to suggest that they were not being truthful here. Oh, my God. Got him. Wow. I'm so glad that I read on. This, uh-huh. is, this is big. I was actually, I was like, ah, I don't know. It's your show. You make the call here. Yeah. But that was, you made the right call. This was awesome. I, I definitely, yeah, I definitely think I did. Um, so then, and then it goes on to the, the board of rights hearing and discharge orders. The, the department charged petitioners with multiple counts of on-duty misconduct, including one, failing to respond to a robbery in progress call. Two, making misleading statements to Sergeant Gomez when asked why they did not hear the radio. 
Three, failing to respond over the radio when their unit was called. Four, failing to handle an assigned radio call. Five, playing Pokemon Go while on patrol in their police vehicle. And six, making false statements to Detective McClanahan during a complaint investigation. What well, what about number seven, burning way too many Ultra Balls trying to catch a Togetic? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. Petitioners pled guilty to the first and third counts and not guilty to the remaining counts. Mm. Well, that was a mistake. Yeah. Uh, oh, this is funny in the chat. Mark Briz Mark Brazel says LAPD was ranked number nine nationally in Pokemon Go. <laughs> was, I don't <laughs> That's awesome. After opening uh, statements, petitioners' representative objected to the admission of everything captured on the DICVS recording up to petitioners' conversation with Sergeant Gomez at the 7-Eleven that evening. She argued the conversations between petitioners preceding the meeting with Sergeant Gomez were private, as petitioners did not realize the DICVS was running at the time. But if they knew it was, then it wouldn't have been private. Um, as petitioners did not, or sorry, uh, and and she asserted the the Board of Police Commissioners Special Order Number Forty Five precluded the use of the DICVS to quote monitor private conversations between department employees unquote. The department stipulated to the admission of Special Order Number Forty Five, but argued it did not apply because the DICVS had captured petitioners engaged in police business, not private affairs. Mm -hmm. Right. So I mean, it, I get it. So it seems like there's a there's a pretty pretty reasonable distinction here if if it's recording you on a on a conversation with your spouse talking about you yeah. know family issues like things going on with the kid then yep. that would that would make sense but yeah. they're literally talking about work stuff i mean until they're talking about pokemon go but i mean yep. i don't see how that would be private in this context <laughs> doesn't um, really doesn't really yeah like if they were having a heart to heart and he was talking about like, you know, how he's diagnosed with cancer, then you can understand why that would be something that, you know, even if they were disregarding the call, you know, improperly disregarding the call, you can understand why the nature of that kind of conversation would be something that would be protectable as yeah. opposed to, you know, as opposed to this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, the board ruled the DICVS recording could be offered as evidence subject to petitioners continuing objection to testimony about private conversations on the video. The Board of Rights received testimony from Captain Davenport, Sergeant Gomez, Detective McClanahan, and Officers Lozano and Mitchell. Both petitioners characterized their willful failure to respond to the robbery in progress and to provide assistance to Captain Davenport as an error or lack in judgment. But they continued to insist they did not respond to the call because they believed they needed to re remain within the boundaries of their assigned footbeat area. Both also denied that they had made misleading statements to Sergeant Gomez, describing their comments about noise in the park as generalized observations that were not meant as a specific response to the sergeant's questions about why they had not heard the radio. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, no. Oh, we didn't know you were really asking us a question. We were just randomly talking about there being way too much noise for us to hear things not that we were claiming that was the reason we didn't hear things it was just a general comment uh we just you know we just happened to be talking about it uh. petitioners also denied playing pokemon go while on duty they claimed they were monitoring a pokemon tracker application on their phone but not playing the game itself yeah, yeah. The only reason okay. you do that, yeah, that doesn't even make any sense. Yeah, a Pokemon right. tracker. What does it mean, monitoring it? Like, okay, so there is like a different app. You there are different Pokemon tracker type things, which enable you to basically have a map of your area and find various Pokemon. 
characters popping up. But the only way you would know if it's accurate is if you actually went to the location and checked, in which case you would catch it at that point. You know what I'm saying? Like you wouldn't, none of this is consistent with what the dash cam, the dash cam conversation is. You're not screaming, got yeah. him, or I burned 100 ultra balls when you're testing out whether the, the tracker is accurate. Yeah. So. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Completely agree. Um, so as for as for catching Pokemon, Officer Lozano is insisted this ref this referred to capturing an image of the Pokemon on the tracking application to share wow. with friends. What a clumsy, awful lie. <laughs> While Officer Mitchell said his statements about quote fighting the Togetic referred to quote relaying that information to the groups on my app, adding that quote in order to take the picture, occasionally the cre the creature will fight. Lozano said they were not engaged nope. in a game. <laughs> nope. That's not the way it works. You could probably subpoena Pokemon and find out when they were playing, when they were I'm on it sure. also. And it would take, this is such a bad, terrible, terrible, stupid lie. Yes. Yeah. Lozano said they were not, <clears throat> they were not engaged in a game. Rather, it was a quote, social media event. As By the way, as if that would make it better. As if, no, right. no, I'm sorry. We couldn't, we couldn't, we couldn't respond to the desperate pleas for backup when there was gunfire going over our partner's heads because we're in the middle of a social media event. <laughs> and, and it was very important that we attend that instead. How do they oh think that's gosh. better? I don't know. I guess that I means don't know. we're not nerds. We're not really nerds. <laughs> we're not really <laughs> losers. <laughs> oh my God. Oh my goodness. So, Mitchell said he did not consider the application a game because it was not, quote, advertised as a game. Oh, come on. That is ridiculous. Petitioners admitted leaving their footbeat area in search of Snorlax, but they insisted they did so both as part of an extra patrol and to, you know quote, what? chase this mythical creature. How is that better? I have to show something here because your chat is calling me, claiming that I'm... I'm full of I'm full of crap here. Okay. So I want to just show something here. Okay. This is my phone right here. Here's my phone. I'm gonna to go to Play Store and I'm gonna show you that on my Play Store here, I don't even have Pokemon Go in here. Here's my phone. Okay. I'm gonna type in Pokemon Go, Pokemon Go. And look at this. Oh, should you, you want to install it? Do you want to install it? Oh, because I don't have it. Okay. So no. It was five years ago, and it was for only two months. But yes, and you played it so it. much in those two months that you had no other option but to delete it from your phone because otherwise it was going to take Install. over your entire life, because right? I don't have it because I don't play it. So yeah, <laughs> people are saying it's on your other phone. <laughs> oh man, that's funny. Uh, uh, <clears throat> it's okay. It's okay. Just just embrace the nerdiness, Joe. Yeah. It's great. It's 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 uh it's really it's it's helping in this whole in this whole uh, conversation. It's giving a lot of context, <laughs> both said, both to the case and said, to you. Someone <laughs> said I have a dedicated Pokemon Go phone. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, King Katie. I says, where's your other phone? You know the Pokemon uh, phone. <laughs> the Poke Burner phone. That's great. That's great. Oh, that's awesome. Um, that's great. That's really great. Uh. <laughs> The, oh, uh, Christopher Penza also says, says, my apologies for the interruption. I'm about to send 150 char character limit. It's hard for a lawyer. I guess he's wording it just so. This is how I, that's how I am on Twitter. Whenever I send a tweet, people don't realize that like, 
any one tweet I send takes me like a half hour, right? Because I had to edit it 47 different ways to get it to fit exactly the right number of characters. Yeah. So, yeah. It is. It is. And that's why, that's why, that's why you've got to start learning how to, how to do, how to do a thread. Mm. Yeah. I don't like doing threads though, because people don't read the second one. They only read the first one. Mm. Hmm. Oh, so there you go. He he just finished. He just posted his his. So he his said. So Christopher Penzenau said, "I made Gavel Book. It's Zillow for legal, i.e., it expands the legal market by connecting clients and lawyers with price information. Big win for all." Oh, oh, and then he says, uh, "I'd love your users' comments, and I'd love to chat about why I left Big Law to do this." Ooh, oh, interesting. Well, I will tell you this: that <laughs> my my first tip for you is that for ten dollars, you probably could have gotten all of that in and gotten it like and save yourself five bucks. So, because you get more characters <laughs> if you pay if you pay the ten bucks, and it yeah, lasts up there I, longer, it stands I, up the top of the thing much longer. I appreciate the fact the, that uh, that he sent three different super chats for it. I, um, <clears throat> Chris, also, I I think I may have I I think I may have gotten an. I was thinking about this earlier today. I think I may have gotten an email from from you, Christopher, um, about Gavel Book um, over Christmas break, and I think it was like I was reading the email in between flights. And so I remember thinking like, yes, I totally want to respond to this um, and and talk to you about it. But I didn't. And I'm totally regretting it because so much has happened since then. And I apologize for not responding. Um, and I'm outing myself <laughs> publicly for not responding to an email. Um, but shoot me an email and I will and I will I'll totally respond because I'm not in the middle of of holiday chaos um, mm. now. And I'll, I'll for sure uh, keep an eye out for it. <clears throat> um, yeah, that sounds that sounds really cool. Oh, Christopher Penza also says, oh, man, I'm a newbie on Super Chats. I did email you. Hooray. OK, cool. So, yeah, email me again and and then I'll uh, um, I'll, uh, I'll I'll happily uh, chat with you about it because that sounds that sounds really cool. I I'm a big fan of all things legal tech. Um, I think that there are a lot of ways that we can that we can uh, modify and and update the legal industry. And legal tech is one of those ways that that um that people can do it. And so I'm, I'm always happy to, to see, see this kind of stuff, learn about it, talk about it, that kind of stuff. So, <clears throat> so yeah, thank you, Christopher. Um, so let's, uh, let's get back to the, um, mm -hmm. the, the, the opinion here in Lozano V city of Los Angeles. I just, I love this case so much. I am so happy that this, that this came this week because it, I appreciate it, you bringing this to me because yeah. I never would have found it. Yeah. I, um, it, it, I, I I came across it on Twitter, and then I think also Hoglob may have may have talked about it. I think I saw that he that he talked about it on his on his channel. I didn't I didn't see the video yet. Um, sorry, Rick, if you're watching, um, but uh, I probably should after this because he probably has some some extra awesome things to say about this case too. Um, so, okay, uh, yeah, this is this is just great for me personally. Coming off of like multiple sicknesses <laughs> and and getting back into the work week, like this is yeah. this is a really great really great intro. So, <clears throat> for those of you in the chat who are asking, um, my cough is not illness. It's actually that I quit smoking last Friday. Oh, so yeah, I've been using I've been vaping instead. And when I'm and I've done this a couple of times, what I find is that for like a few weeks, I'll be coughing up all the crap that's in my lungs. Oh. And it's basically, it's sort of like, yeah, and and it's a healthy cough, meaning it's helping me like get rid of like all the stuff that's that's been blocking my lungs up and potentially protecting me from COVID. So, huh. I think that I think it might no, I think it might have been. I think I might be losing that protection. I'm worried that I'm losing that protection because they actually say I don't want to risk giving misinformation. So this 
might, but some people speculate that that smokers are actually in it, protected from huh. from COVID. So, and I would think that would be why, because they have all that gunk in there that the your, the lungs see COVID and they're like, <laughs> you think you're something, please. But um, <laughs> yeah, no. So now, I'm like my my system is actually starting to reject. All, all the filth that I've been putting in it for a very long yeah. time. Okay. And it's so every once in a while I sort of mute myself and just have like a little coughing spasm, but that's, that's actually yeah. a good kind of cough. So, oh, okay. Um, I, I should be muting myself when I cough because I, I, you know, I, I talked about this on Twitter. I I'm coming off with strep throat, which doesn't usually make you cough, but for some reason <clears throat> in the last couple of days or the last day, really, I've been like randomly coughing mm -hmm. since then. So, um, I don't know. I'm still on antibiotics, but I'm, I'm supposed to be strep free at this point. Um, and this is after having COVID of course. So I know that whatever is causing me to cough is not COVID or at least uh, according to what I've been told by the, you know, the, whatever powers that be, um, that tell us what is and is not science, um, what have you. Um, but apparently, you know, you're, you're supposed to be at the very least immune for at least 90 days, right. After, after having gotten it. And I have, I'm already pre-vaccinated and all that other good stuff. So I really should be pretty dang immune to COVID right now. So none my, of this is medical inform information, not any of it. And none you should of it. definitely consult with your doctor about how to make sure you're best taking of care course, of your health. Of course. This is just <clears throat> what I am relaying as to what I have learned from what I've read from the CDC and, and other, and other, you know, uh, quote unquote, reliable sources. And I, and I put that in quotes because it's disputed by all kinds of people, but uh, not other people. So, you know, there's a, there's all kinds of arguments around it, but none of this, of course, we're not doctors. I'm not a doctor. I don't know anything about, about medicine or science. I actually just learned uh, today from someone that I don't know if this is true, but someone told me this, that, that sometimes when you get, when you get a virus, you can get another sickness coming after it because you've, you've been, you've been, your immunity has been uh, has been kind of brought down. So it's not uncommon to get something right after getting, getting a virus, like a, like the flu or something like that. Right. I had never, that had never happened to me before, but I guess here we are. So <clears throat> I'm not going to uh, kid you when COVID first came, like I, I had always felt like some sort of like, you know, struggle with breathing or something like that. Cause I've been smoking for a very long time. And I was, when it first came and it first came out, I was terrified. I was like, I was like, I don't know how I'm going to survive COVID. I was, I, that's where, that's really, how, I was terrified of COVID, yeah. like really terrified of it. And then after, and then they had lockdowns. And at the start of lockdowns, my daughter and son-in-law moved in with COVID, and they were hacking and sneezing everywhere, and I never caught it. And basically, and then and my, and my wife got it, and you know, and I I had no social distance at all, at mm -hmm. all. Like I would literally like lick the spoon right after them, and I never, I never got it. So I just. I've kind of always assumed that for one reason or another, I'm, I never had it, never had any antibodies, nothing. And hmm. I just assumed that I'm one of the blessed people and that the CDC should be studying my blood rather than trying to <laughs> crumble their own stuff. But, you know, could be, could be, it could be just, you know, divine providence, you know, yeah. just something, something from, from up high. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, uh, and, and none, none of this is spiritual advice either guys. <laughs> right. So, um, uh okay well let's uh let's 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 let's, let's wrap this up this. yeah let's this wrap this up just... 
I want to finish this, but I want I want I want to, but I want to finish it because I yes. do have a thing. So let's. Yes. Uh, okay. Yeah. Let's yeah. let's do it. Let's do it. I, th I, th I think we're toward towards the end, at least for the the fact pattern. We can we can cut off then. So uh so. <laughs> So he so Mitchell said that he did not consider the application a game because it was not quote advertised as a game. Petitioners admitted leaving their footbeat area in search of Snorlax, but they insisted they did so both as part of an extra patrol and to chase this mythical creature. After the presentation of evidence, petitioners' representative moved to strike the count alleging petitioners made misleading statements to Sergeant Gomez. She argued their meeting violated petitioners' rights under P under Pobra. <clears throat> the Rights Act for, for police, uh, because the sergeant interrogated them on matters that could lead to punitive action without affording them the opportunity to have a representative present. The Board of Rights denied the motion and overruled petitioner's objection to the DICVS recording. Regarding POBRA, the board found the meeting with Sergeant Gomez was in the normal course of Sergeant Gomez's duty, and his counseling and instruction was routine and expected of a supervisor. As for the DICBS recording, the board received evidence that subsequ subsequent to Special Order Number 45, the Professional Standards Bureau published Notice 13.5, which authorized the use of unintentionally recorded personal communications in disciplinary matters if there was, quote, evidence of criminal or egregious misconduct, unquote. Um, Consistent with the notice, the board determined the DICVS recording could be used as evidence in the disciplinary proceeding because misconduct captured would certainly be classified as egregious. I think I would agree. Mm. The just board of rights, bit. yeah, just just a smidge, right? <laughs> the mm. board of rights reached a unanimous verdict, finding petitioners guilty on all but the count alleging they failed to handle an assigned radio call, according. Uh, regarding the penalty, the board found petitioners were disingenuous and deceitful in their remarks throughout the board hearing. Their willful failure to respond to the robbery in progress and attempt to conceal their whereabouts demonstrated a severe negative attitude and disdain towards Captain Davenport and reflected poorly on the department. Their inattention. I can't believe I called it. I mean, I, I called know. him Officer Krupke. I called Officer Krupke when I first called it, but like, yeah, I was, I was, I was just, you know, that was a, that was a West Side Story reference, but. Um, <laughs> yeah, it really is. They were like, I don't like that guy. He's a drama queen or whatever. He can go he can go screw himself. He's gonna handle that himself. I can't even believe it. Oh man, it's fine. Shouldn't be surprising. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I it, it, it's that was a good one. That was a good one, Joe. Yeah. Um, their inattention to duty while playing a mobile phone game violated the trust of the public and represented unprofessional and embarrassing behavior. Of course it is. Uh, and petitioners' overall behavior was inconsistent with the values and principles expected of our police officers who serve this community. The board unanimously recommended petitioners be removed from employment with the department. The chief of police adopted the board's penalty recommendations and issued orders discharging petitioners from their positions as LAPD officers. So I think we can I think we can end it there yeah. because I and I have a feeling Hogue probably Hogue probably locked in on the law. That's that's his angle. He probably he probably focused on pages thirteen through thirty-two rather than one through twelve the way we did. Maybe so. So Maybe. we probably we probably did a deeper dive on 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 the facts than he's going to give. But I would expect that uh, he's going to break down how the law applies with respect to their rights to privacy. Yeah. So um, yeah, you probably should check him out because he does good. He does great work. He absolutely does great work. So yeah, if 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 you're watching or or listening via the podcast, since I'm now now uploading these to podcast form, um, yes, you you should if you haven't already, you definitely should check out Hoaglaw's stuff because because Rick is he's 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 really spot on and and so sharp with his with his legal analysis and in, in all of his videos 
um, and his, and his, his podcast, um, episodes as well. So, um, yeah, uh, this has been wonderful. Yeah, um, I want to ask you a quick question. Cause people are talking about my blood type after the whole conversation, hmm. we, the non-medical conversation that we had. And so I have a theory and I, I know that, like, I know that I understand that before anyone thinks I'm an idiot with respect to a complete idiot with respect to biology, I, I understand how blood type works. Okay. And mm -hmm. I understand Mendel's Punnett square <coughs> and how yeah. you're getting from your father and you're getting from your mother. <coughs> what I'm saying is this some people, so my type blood is type B, but my father was AB and my father is AB and my mother was O. So mm -hmm. what that means is that I have OB blood meaning yeah. it's not bb blood right it can't be bb blood it has to be ob blood and i think that yeah when it comes to me donating blood i can't give blood to someone who is type o because the b is a contaminant so to speak for 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 the for that oh, for o blood as opposed to o blood not um you know you can, if you have any sort of a or b then you're not going to be o so O means an absence, basically, of A or B. And I think what's mm -hmm. possible is that because I'm my blood is not BB, but OB, that that O element to it is what's helping to protect me. I'm not sure. But that's that was a theory that I postulated that because of the fact that I have that O, I have that O element, that perhaps I... that that's something that's playing into it. But... I don't know, because I'm I'm pretty sure it's been a minute I mean, it is since, negative. I, since I it's checked a, mine. I it's, think, I'm, I'm OB negative, so I think I'm O negative. I whatever the universal donor is. Um, oh, yeah? So so that would. <laughs> so then you shouldn't have gotten that by that theory. You shouldn't have gotten yeah. it at all. So. Yeah. No, not not at all. Who knows? Um, so whoops. <laughs> no, I, it's I, you know anecdotal at least, but uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe 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 you should have been smoking longer. That was your problem. That was your. I I have I've never been a smoker. That's because I've problem. I've always Wait. been I've always been a runner. You're a jogger. So. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you're a runner. How many miles? How many miles do you owe? Uh, a lot, a lot. And in fact, so I just got back into running yesterday. So yesterday and today, and I've been I've been thinking of of posting to social media, um, on a on a, a specific training plan so that I can show exactly when I'm going to hit those milestones. Um, cause I know that I know that a lot of people have been, have been expecting those and I owe them to the viewers for sure. Cause I made that good promise. For you, good, for, good for you for sticking at it. I, 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 I would never even make such an offer. No way. <laughs> oh my God. Well, yeah. it's, it's a, it's, it's nice. It's a, it's kind of a win-win for me because, because running has usually been my way of my way of staying healthy. And mm -hmm. maybe that's why I actually got sick was cause you know, well, between, you know, early since ever since early November, my 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 whole my whole schedule because of me being overseas, my whole schedule got completely turned upside down because of the Kyle Rittenhouse trial. Okay. So I, you know, I was staying up until four in the morning every single day, and then still having to get up in the morning to take the dog out and get. You know, she still has all of the other beings in, in my home. Yeah, yeah, they they all like they they can't just adjust to my my new scheduling because I'm, I'm on Kyle Rittenhouse's schedule. You know right. what I mean? So, so I, it just completely screwed everything up and including just sleep and including running. And so I think, I think my, 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 before I went on to vacation, my immunity was just awful. Like my, my immune system was just completely shot. So, so probably now that I'm, now that I'm back and I'm, I'm trying to, trying to keep a, keep a healthy sleep routine and then keep a healthy running routine, I'm going to get, get back into it sooner than later. I will tell you, 
um, you know, because I'm looking at your channel here and 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 loving your growth ever since Rune House, that I actually tried something new this week that I'd never done before, which is I Ooh. did a, a giveaway during oh. my during my live stream, where I had a I basically had like I don't want to say contest because it sounds kind of um, gay to say that, but yeah, basically I want I was I was uploading songs i was well downloading and uploading songs to a new mp3 that i got and so i was trying to find songs for working out and i was searching through all these different you know classic songs and stuff like that and i ended up coming across um a very old song from the beach boys not one i would work out to but um uh i get around and there mm -hmm. was a line in that song which just i was like this is the most beta line i could ever possibly imagine in a song where they're basically trying to say i'm so cool i you know i get around like i'm the, this big cool guy and the line was you know the bad kids know us and they leave us alone and i'm like that's what's showing you're so cool is that the bad kids leave you alone i'm sorry that's that's really that's really beta and i was like so i challenged my my audience to come up with a more beta line than that i was like it can't be like a love song where guys like hopelessly in love with a girl because that you have tons of songs like that where a guy is heartbroken or he's in love or whatever i was like i'm not looking for that i'm looking for something where the guy is saying how cool he is and while trying to express how cool he is he basically sounds like a loser so, so he's like he's he's like unwittingly calling him unwittingly out. yes unwittingly as opposed to admitting that he's like hopeless <laughs> i'm hopelessly in love with you kind of thing so he's unwittingly he thinks he's being cool when the when the line itself is like the, the last thing a cool an actual cool person would ever say so that and so <laughs> so and, and the giveaway was the, was this hat i was like whoever whoever comes up with the better the best line is gonna i'm gonna send him a hat so i actually <laughs> So and I actually sent one of my viewers who came up with a line from, um, yeah, uh, a line from Oingo Boingo, and the line from the song, <laughs> it made me shudder to even. I never heard this song before, but it was like, um, I like little girls; they make me feel so bad, or something like that. And I was like, Oh boy, what the? <laughs> oh, yeah, boy. yeah. That's, I was like, That's, that's, that's really that's song. <laughs> yes yeah it was really it was like a really disturbing type of thing and what's funny is someone here in the audience saying macho man and yeah that was and that was what my wife came up with but i i, didn't, I couldn't macho man everything about macho man is like the most beta song imaginable but i couldn't i couldn't let her i couldn't make her the winner otherwise people would be like <laughs> that's you're just cheating now that would just so, be nepotism <laughs> yes yeah but I, it's hard to top macho man that's that's really that's really weak anyway that's so awesome. yeah yeah, so that's what I'm looking forward to now from you. I want to see, I want to see some nice little, and I'll, I'll tell you something. There's my camera just rolling on its oscillator fan type of base. <laughs> so, yeah, I want to, um, I'm, I'll tell you right now. And what I said is, your entry has to come in in a super chat, because otherwise I can't go through all the things. I'm gonna yeah. miss them. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. So it actually worked out like really nicely because now people are trying to like compete and like they have an entry. So like everyone had fun with it and it's not, you know, and basically trust me, trust me. You want you should try it out. I'm I'm giving this is a tip okay. I'm giving you. It this creates is a, it's it not creates a bad really idea. good engagement. It creates really good engagement. You gotta, you gotta a, come up yeah. with your own little thing, but yeah. Yeah, not a bad idea to 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 put it, you know, in, in super chat form that and and whoever whoever wins will uh, and, you, and I made a poll and I basically said, okay, here are the best options. From what I see, these are the ones I think are the best options. And you guys vote, whoever, whatever's voted as oh. you know, the winner, 
You guys, okay. the audience is like, now decide. You guys are deciding who the winner okay. is. Okay, okay. And I put mine up there also. I said, you want to pick mine? Okay, that's fine. Whatever it is, you guys, you know, pick what you think is really best. So it was so, a it was a more or less democratic process. Yeah, it's not it's not like I'm saying what's best. It's like the audience okay. is deciding. So I, I, anyway, yeah, I kind of like that. I kind of like that. Yeah. Um. Well, that is a. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna sit and think about that one for a little yeah. bit because that, that actually go. sounds like a really good idea. So Thanks. thank you thank for that. You. You're welcome. <laughs> I'm, we're always here, we're here to help each other with new new fresh ideas. So. Yeah, of course, always. Um. So with that. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that that should be about it. Unless there's anything else that you would like to add before we, before we head out. No, make sure you sub to this channel because she does phenomenal work. Thank you. She does. Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> and make sure you sub to his channel too, if you haven't already, because he also does phenomenal work. Um, like, like being one of the few lawyers in the courtroom, um, for the Ghislaine Maxwell trial, you want that kind of dedication. You get that from Joe. <laughs> there you go. So, all right. And go. with that, uh, if you guys have enjoyed this, be sure to like the video, share it, all the good YouTube -y stuff. Check out the Clips channel. I haven't uploaded too much uh, in the last few weeks because of uh, Christmas vacation and all that kind of stuff um, and then getting sick and whatnot. But there's there's going to be there's going to be fresh content up there in this next week. Lots of stuff. I've got plenty of clips to, to send out there um, into the ether. So be sure to go over there check it out, watch some videos. I'm still trying to get it monetized. So hopefully I can do that uh, at some point this month. That would be awesome. Oh, um, and tonight I've got one thing I want to mention. Tonight okay. I'm going to have Lingo Mindset on my show. I live stream nightly from 10 to midnight Eastern yeah. time. And tonight I'm going to be joined by Legal Mindset, Andrew. Nice. So nice. He'll, be, he'll, be, he'll be coming in live from his toilet and we'll, we'll have a great time. <laughs> So I love that that meme is just going to follow him forever. I'm yes. so happy about that. So happy. Uh, what are you guys going to talk about? Oh, you don't know yet. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. Well, cool. Yeah. Cool. I never, I never know until we get there, but we'll be good. Be good. <laughs> All righty. Um, and with that, I think that just about covers it. All right. All right. Later. Godspeed. See you guys.